two of the uh, Saturday show. And uh, once again, it's uh, Marginal Legal Advice. Phone number, as always, top of the hour, 800-520-1KFI, 800-520-1534. That's the number. I'm here until 11 o'clock where... Leah Laporte kicks in from 11 to 2. Neil Saavedra with a fork report from 2 to 5 o'clock. Uh, 6 o'clock tonight, it's Monique Mo- Mo- Marvet. No, it's uh, Mo Kelly. I'm doing this from uh, memory, and this is uh, lineup has only been here for 25 years. All right, Mo Kelly, 6 to 8 o'clock, uh, memory serves or doesn't. And then 8 to 10, it's uh, Monique Marvez. And then, uh, of course, uh, Brian Suits with a dark secret place. Tomorrow morning, uh, it happens to be Jesus from 6 to 9. Oh, first, uh, Elizabeth Espinosa from 5 to 6. Jesus from 6 to 9. And then our newest show, uh, Dean Sharp with a house whisper. And uh, I like Dean's show because he helps me a lot at home. He's, he's my new best friend. As soon as he started, because I have so much stuff to do at home, uh, I looked at him. I said, you are my new best friend. And, in fact, he's putting out much more so than other people in my life. If you get my drift. All right. Mm, let me see what else is going on. Nope, that's it. Let's go ahead and start. This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Now, uh, usually I try to get kind of fun stories uh, that are just off the beaten track. Uh, sometimes uh, a legal story where uh, we can all learn a little bit about uh, a premise of the law or going back in history or a statute and a logical conclusion or either some good decision by an appeals court uh, or the, even the Supreme Court or some crazy-ass decision. Uh, this one is uh, one of the most serious cases that I've talked about in a long time, and this is a historical case. It, we go back to 1955 when Emmett Till, a young black teenager living in Chicago, went to visit some relatives in Mississippi. And uh, while he was in Mississippi at a store, he is accused of having whistled at a white woman, 1955, a married white woman, uh, and coming on to her. Hey, baby, along that kind of conversation. Well, uh, he goes home, and uh, just a day later, uh, two men show up, the husband of this woman and his brother, drag him out of the house, beat him mercilessly, Uh, Killed him, mutilated his body, and the only issue, did they kill him, did they beat him up and then kill him, uh, which is probably the case, or did they kill him and then mutilate his body? Uh, My guess is the former. In any case, uh, they were arrested, uh, charged with the murder, acquitted, because white men in uh, the Deep South violating a black man's civil rights, even killing the black man, just walked away. The acquittal was uh, absolutely guaranteed. Matter of fact, they were joking with the jury during it. They were smirking. They knew. Uh, Now, Emma Till's mom, uh, when burying her son, had an open casket, wanted the world to see what was done to Emmett. And those pictures uh, literally were, uh, uh, they were published around the world. And uh, the murder of Emmett Till uh, really was one of uh, the, Big issue starting the civil rights movement. It was one, it's like Rosa Parks with her, uh, the bus uh, and the Selma March with Martin Luther King. Well, the murder of Emmett Till was right in the, that, that uh, on that level. And uh, 
even worse is uh, two years after the murder, the two men admitted that they had killed Emmett Till, but there's no double jeopardy. So uh, Look Magazine paid them for an interview and they admitted it. All right. Men are now dead. Uh, Ten years ago, they reopened the case, closed it immediately. Now the federal government has reopened the case. Don't know why. There was a book that was written a year ago in which uh, the married woman who was accused of or accused Emmett Till, she's still around. She has retracted and said he didn't do any of that. And so uh, based on that, we don't even know the federal government is reopening the case. Uh, it's, and I don't know what's going to happen because everybody's dead except uh, her, and she's 84 years old. Maybe it's just uh, a political statement to try to make something right out of this. Okay, uh, let's do it. Uh, let's have a, a little bit of fun. Uh, Jose, let's start with you. Hello, Jose. You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes, Bill. Thank you. Sure. Um, so I was following uh, while traveling uh, behind the county utilities uh, work truck. Mm-hmm. Uh, a piece of equipment off their truck fell and hit my hood. Um, Congratulations. So I- How much damage? <laughs> Uh, about twenty three hundred. All right. Dollars worth. Yep. And you want to know so, what to do? I well, I filed a claim with the county. Yep, which county is right within within correct. six months, correct? Correct. And they denied uh, county, it. And they denied no, it. They, they no, they accepted liability. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> However, uh, before I got it fixed, I uh, traded it in and bought a new truck. Am I entitled to those claims? Wow. Because I did. Wow. You could argue that what you got for that truck was substantially less because of the damage that that you uh, – I'm sorry, uh, because of the damage. So you received less money, and therefore, uh, look, here is how much I've been damaged. Problem is, that's a step removed. Good God. They're going to argue. You're going to have to bring in the dealer who's going to say, yep, we would have offered him uh, $15,000, but because we knew it was going to cost a couple thousand dollars to fix it, we gave him $13,000. If you can get that, uh, you've, you've got a small claim suit, and especially since they argued they admitted liability, then it uh, simply uh, it gets easy. Uh, then it's simply a matter of damages. They can't argue that they didn't do it. So uh, have they offered you – so made a claim for $2,300. They've accepted liability. Uh, have they issued you a check yet? Uh, no, not yet because they uh, they uh, they needed to see uh, either either they need for me to go through my insurance or to go through their insurance. They needed to appraise the truck. So be, uh, before I got all that, I traded the truck in. Yeah, uh, I mean, you have a case, sorta. And it's going to be tough because your insurance is going to say, well, we know, didn't even look at the car. Uh, we have no idea if there were those kinds of damages. Insurance adjusters always go out and check out cars before ever writing a check. And Correct. and so there's no way to determine how much uh, damage actually occurred. Just because you got a bit of $2,300 doesn't mean jack. I can come up right. with a bit of $12,000. Uh, that's easy. Sure. And so th- the whole issue is will the dealership come in and say, yep. $2,000 less uh, because of the damage. That's it. Do you think it's going to happen? Um, well, I guess it's a matter of uh, going through the dealership and asking them. Yeah, yeah. You could subpoena them yeah. and see if they'll be a witness. Right. And 
and they have to show up as a witness if you subpoena them, but, you know, how pissed off are they going to get? Right? Right. Yeah. Right. All right. There's the answer. Congratulations. Alrighty. Okay. Thank you, sir. Yeah, no problem. Uh, basically, you did everything wrong. That's fine. Oh, yeah. Why don't we uh, bail at this point, uh, and we'll come back in a moment. This is Handle on the Law. Handle on the Law. Bill Handle here. Marginal Legal Advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Terry, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Terry? Terry? Yes, ma'am. Terry. I'm sorry. I thought you said Gary. No. Um, My question... I'm sorry. This is my question. My daughter got audited by the IRS, and when she went to do her taxes, her accountant took the paperwork for her taxes and took the paperwork for the audit, sent them to the same place, so the IRS never got them. It had to be a special place for that particular um, audit. Okay. And so they said that she owes the 2500 plus she owes all the fees and penalties because of that. Mm-hmm. Is she responsible or is he responsible? Well, she uh, – well, first of all, she's responsible for the underlying tax. Yes. I mean, that's easy. Okay. However, the penalties and fees, he's responsible for because he filed uh, in the wrong department. It's his duty to file correctly. So you get to now, split Bill, it. She had she had the proof. She had the proof of everything from the audit. It's the same right. amount every year. She's a teacher. All right. So, so uh, and they didn't they didn't care. Well, you can ask for an audit of the audit. You can go to a supervisor and ask effectively for reconsideration. And the argument is that the uh, the accountant sent the paperwork to the wrong place, and I don't owe the twenty five hundred dollars. Okay, that's what she's going to have to do. The underlying right. tax, no matter when it is owed or paid, is still the tax. So you've got two issues here. You've got the penalties, the late file uh, interest uh, of which may or may not be owed. And if it turns out there's no uh, money owed, then ask for a waiver of uh, the penalty late filing, which you'll probably give anyway. The accountant should go in and make the argument. Okay, so the accountant should do that. I think so. And not, char- and, not char- and not charge you. Okay. All right? All right. All right, dealing with the IRS. So much fun. I've had a couple of issues with the IRS, and uh, what they've put me through is beyond comprehension. When I tell people the IRS is no organization to trifle with, um, yeah, you're better off dealing with uh, a group of uh, ISIS terrorists in Syria than you are with the IRS. It's probably easier. I mean, it is really crazy. All right, Ricky. Uh, Hi, Ricky. Hi, Bill. Yes, sir. Hey, so I called you about a year ago and talked to you about uh, my my daughter getting bit by a dog. And you had recommended me to go after whoever I can go after to get whatever I can go after. And I went to your website and got one of the attorneys off your website. And the case settled probably about three weeks ago. The policy limit was 300000 and the case settled for 285 Okay. So, uh, first of all, uh, this is a miracle. All right? You are awesome. This is – no, 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 no. This is akin to Jesus walking across the Galilee. Okay? That's – that is what that's the level of miracle we have here. Uh, your daughter was bit on the was she bit on the face? Yeah, just a okay. little bit on the, on the just a little bit. She wasn't mauled and she wasn't no. disfigured. No, it was just one little snip. 
And you got $285,000? Yes, sir. Holy moly. Okay, thanks much. I appreciate that one. All right. So, therefore, when I talk about going to the website and getting a lawyer, when I say you kind of have, yeah, you know, what kind of case uh, I have. Oh, gee, Bill, I got a scratch. Can I sue? Well, I mean, theoretically you can sue, but what are the damages? I'm stopping that now. You get a scratch, you're getting $300,000 if you go to my website. That's a guarantee. Go to HandleOnTheLaw.com and you too, it's a lottery for you. Wow. Uh, I've never heard of that in all of the years I've been doing that. So either he is uh, pulling my chain or it uh, it's astounding that they settled for that. I mean, nothing less than astounding. That must have been one hell of a lawyer. Whew. All right. Clarissa, hello, Clarissa, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hey, Bill. Yes, ma'am. I was, I was calling in today because I actually filed a small claim suit just uh, maybe a month or two ago. Okay. I was so tired of people saying, in California, do not expect your security deposit back. Oh, that's not true at all. I don't yeah, care. Well, I don't know who told you that. That's not true in the least. Well, so even though... Um, you're not on a speakerphone. You're not on a speakerphone, are you? No, why, you know, I just everybody sounds like they're on the speakerphone when they're on cell phones. And you know how Sorry, I man. feel about speakerphones. I just I go. I know. I listen to you all the time. You're wait, so wait, hold on. How come, you're, how come you're so much clearer now? Because you wanted me to be. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hmm. There's, there's a conundrum for you. Okay. So, uh, security deposit, small claims. Uh, everybody's telling you well, you can't get it back. I, I don't want to hear the story. Okay. So, what's your question? The court case went so well. Um, I I counted my chickens before they hatched, practically, because I was so sure. Uh, surprisingly, I got a phone call before I could even check the mail from the landlord um, demanding the money, the payment already. I checked my mail, and actually, not only did he win, but he had to file the counterclaim. Okay, wait a second. He won or you won? He won because you're in front of a small claims court. So uh, you he keeps your security deposit, right? And uh, and how on what basis did he keep your security deposit? What did he argue? Oh, that the that we left in um, in filthy condition that he had. Okay, did you? He said the place was in filthy condition, but he did, did he bring any proof? Did he bring any photos? He had photos, but I had photos that were taken after his photos. Oh, all right, and you and they were time dated, right? Yes, yes. They, okay. have yeah, I, don't, I can't tell you. I mean, uh, yes, uh, appeals court judges are crazy. They can go, it's astounding what they can do. Yeah. Because based on what you said, it makes no sense. Maybe it, it, this is what happens in small claims court. Maybe uh, the judge didn't like you. Uh, maybe the judge has been a landlord. Uh, who the hell knows? So he counterclaimed against you. He keeps, okay. the, he keeps the deposit and he gets additional damages? Yes. My question to you, though, because I, I know all that. So my question to you is, I know that there is two different options that I could go. One was to file a counter because it you was can't a file any. Suit. You can't file any lawsuits anymore. I could because he, it was a counterclaim. I know, so but I you am, have to do. But I think you have to do it at the same time. And it was I, two I, separate I, lawsuits. He didn't combine the lawsuits. The court did not combine the lawsuits. No, because it was he filed it as a counterclaim. I okay, I got it. So okay, so what's what's your question? So my question is, okay, that, and then there's also a 1090, uh, 10-something. It's like you truly believe that it was an error of the court. And yeah. And you told me that I could 
do both in the same thing. Yeah, you can do it. So what's your question? Because i got to get out of here. How do I bring to the attention of the the judge? You can write a letter to to the presiding judge uh, and say all the evidence points the other way. But uh, does that help? Uh, Nothing helps. Uh, In small claims court, it's it's truly a a roll of the dice. And uh, I've pointed out this before. You never know which way it's going to go. Uh, you can have a dead bang winner and go this way. Uh, the Claritius uh, went and just lose it. Or you can have a flaky case and win it overwhelmingly. Usually uh, the, the judges will split uh, the baby. They'll do a Solomon. And you never know. You never know. But you have no choice either. What are you going to do? You're going to file. You have a $4,000 damage. You're going to pay uh, $3,000 to a lawyer to file a claim uh, to go to court and then keep on going. You can't. All right. A quick word about what's going on today or tomorrow, the World Cup, right? I mean, who is not going to be uh, watching that? Well, security professionals are warning of email phishing scams targeting World Cup fans. And some of these emails appear to come directly from FIFA. And some try to bait fans with big prize money. One uses an infected World Cup app. And what they're trying to do, of course, get personal information uh, about you so they can get credit or trick you out of money somehow. So many threats in today's connected world. It takes one week link for criminals to get in. So I'm going to suggest doing what I have, and that's been a customer of uh, LifeLock for so many years. They've just added Norton Security. So it's not just security against identity threats. It's security uh, that your devices will have and the viruses, ransomware, that sort of thing. No one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft, or monitor every transaction at every business. But new LifeLock with Norton Security can see threats you might otherwise miss on your own. Go to LifeLock.com, call 800-LIFELOCK. Use the promo code HANDLE for 10% off your first year. Promo code HANDLE, LifeLock.com, or call 800-LIFELOCK. This is HANDLE on the Law. Saturday morning, uh, phone calls. Uh, well, actually, we have some phone lines that are open. And so if uh, it's always a hit or miss, right? There are times when uh, you want to call, for example, and the lines are jammed for an hour and you're out of luck. You just can't get through. And then there are times when the lines are open and you'll get right through. So if you happen to have a legal question, I would jump on it. Uh, and I don't want to hear. I hear that all the time. Bill, I've been trying to call you for three weeks. Hey, just listen to me. When I say the lines are open, you dial. It's not that complicated. 800-520-1534. 800-520-1534. And welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice, where I tell you you have absolutely no case. Uh, hello, Lance. Hello. Yes, sir. This is Lance in the trailer park in Orange. Again. Yes, sir. Across from where the homeless camp was. Oh yes, I, didn't we already talk about this? Yeah, well, this is a new. This is a, a different one. This is a neighbor. Uh, next door, the lady sold her trailer two years ago, and uh, this contractor guy bought it, and uh, he was going to fix it up and install his daughter in it, but instead he abandoned it. Yeah, Lance, it sounds like exactly the same call that you had made before. Well, I have a brain injury, so. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah okay, uh, well, fair enough. I wanted to just follow, okay, the follow-up would be, uh, how would I, 
Would I could I go to small claims court because of the mess that the place? You mean did? to force to force uh, the owner to clean it up? No, you can't go to small claims okay. court. You can't. You're going to have to uh, get an order from the court. Okay. But uh, one of the things you can do yeah. is uh, withhold the rent. I think we talked about this before. You withhold the rent. Uh, predicated or based on the fact that the landlord isn't uh, enforcing the rules of maintaining the place. Right. I mean, you know there's a rental agreement that oh, says yeah. you can't leave the stuff uh, in yeah. you know in such a state. Yeah. So uh, you've contacted the landlord, and he's ignoring you, right? They just uh, do nothing. Okay. Well, I'm willing to bet that the landlord has, in fact, told you several times what he's going to do, and you've just forgotten because of your brain injury. That's just my guess. Who am I speaking to again? Exactly. Okay. So uh, what I would do is, that's funny, actually. Not bad. Okay. Yeah, he came, he came back pretty good on that one, didn't he? Don't ever do that again. Okay. I am not interested in you coming back and being funnier than I am. Uh, that's a no. That's a non-starter. All right, Mark. Hi, Mark. Hi. Yes. I did some work for a company as a contractor, and uh, I never received my check. And then when I asked them about the check, they said that uh, the check had already been cleared from their bank, so they don't owe me any money. So I, they sent me a picture of the front and the back of the check, and I, it looked like somebody else got my mail. Did we just lose him? I guess so. We dropped out. Uh, actually, it's a good question. Someone else gets the guy. He mailed it. I mean, they mailed it, and the check cleared. So the issue is you go. You have to go after the person who cash the check. I'd also go after the bank uh, see if you can get some money there. But uh, the argument uh, that uh, the people that paid you are going to say, hey, we paid you and the check cleared. And here's the address we sent it to. Uh, now what, what more can we do? You want us to pay you twice? Well, yeah, I do. Well, no. Uh, that's one of those things where if uh, you're going to go after the, the person who uh, cashes a check fraudulently, you think you're going to get any money from that clown? Of course not. They wouldn't even show up in court if you found out who did it. And incidentally... Uh, you well, you can find out what uh, account it went into, and uh, if uh, the bank probably screwed up, if uh, it was just a cash, if uh, the person who got hold of the check just went ahead and just cashed it, uh, and there was no references to who and ID and all of that, uh, so someone would have to come in and show your ID to cash a check, and it, even then, it's not that easy to do. Because they always reference uh, the account and reference it to the the account that's connected. I've been with my same bank for 15 years, and I know everybody there. They still go against the accounts that I have. They still check just in case I've cleaned out all of my accounts, unbeknownst to them, and I'm cashing a check. Uh, So that seems uh, a little bit, mm, yeah, a little bit flaky. All right. Uh, John. Hi, John. You're up. Welcome. Thank you. Yes. I got hit by a numbskull on a double lap tan turn lane. Uh, you've seen it a million times where the guy in the inside lane is supposed to stay in his lane, and he sure. drifted over to mine, wiped out my whole left side of my brand-new car. I have a dash cam video that shows at the minimum that I was clearly in my lane. My insurance company said I was 100% not at fault. Right. His insurance company settles it at 50-50. They se- wait, wait, wait. They settled it at 50-50? Well, they no, they're offering 50-50. 50-50. I'm exactly. assuming a check hasn't been written yet. No, that's correct. Okay, so there is no settlement. All right, so now it gets the real easy. His insurance company is saying no. Uh, do you have uninsured or underinsured motorists? Sure. Okay, go against your own insurance company. Collect, my, uh, yeah, collect on your own insurance company, and then they will go against 
uh, the insurance company of the other driver? Well, they have paid. They have paid for the repair. All right, twenty five hundred bucks for the repair. But I'm still out my two hundred fifty dollars. And well, they won't pay for that. No, no, they won't pay for that. Uh, what what they'll do? That's the deductible that you're going to have to pay for. And then you sue for two hundred and fifty dollars against the other driver in small claims court. That's it. That's what. I, that's what. I was yeah, asking. that's it. Nothing yeah. more. Nothing less. What, what about diminished value of a brand new car? Yeah, unfortunately, that doesn't fly because all you're going to get is the value of the brand new car. That's all they're responsible takes- for. They're not responsible for the diminished value. They're responsible for the value. And so whatever the value of that car was at that moment, that's what they're responsible for, which is why a lot of people get gap insurance to cover the difference. Yeah. For example, let's say you, 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 have a, you buy a new car. Right, and you drive, and this has happened too. You pull out of the driveway. The car just been registered. You pull out of the driveway, and you're t-boned, and all of a sudden, uh, the the 100 liability, and they have, and the car is total. They have to write you a check. They're going to write you a check for five or ten thousand dollars less than what you just paid ten minutes ago, because as soon as the car is registered, it becomes a used car. Yeah, it's no longer a a new car. So that's why God invented gap insurance. One last question. If, my, if the two insurance companies go to arbitration, am I bound by that arbitration? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Is yeah, that right? okay. you are. But, yeah, right. no, based on that, you're going to win. It's just the other side. The other insurance company are just being jerks about this. They are. Yeah, Absolutely. they're just being asses. That's all. Okay. Yeah, I mean, all that right. happens all the time. Wow, an insurance company denying, an insurance company saying no, an insurance company saying, oh, no, no, our, our insured was not nearly as much fault, uh, even though he was going 110 miles an hour in the wrong lane and there was a head-on collision. No, no, uh, not at all. I mean, literally, that's what some insurance companies do. This is Handle on the Law. It's a Saturday morning, and every Saturday, I'm here, Handle here with uh, Marginal Legal Advice. Welcome back to uh, Handle on the Law. All right, uh, oh, some uh, some really interesting phone calls, uh, one in particular uh, that uh, I want to take, which I'll take in a minute, and uh, let's go to, ooh, how about Alfredo? Hello, Alfredo. Hi, Bill. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. So, uh, so my father-in-law was on vacation visiting us, and when he went back, he uh, was put on administration leave. He works for the school district as a custodian. He goes school to school doing different projects, and he's been with them for about 28 years. He's about to retire in two years because after 30 years, they get full retirement. And uh, I guess his boss put him on administration leave. And, why? Uh, he couldn't figure out. He couldn't figure out why. Why he just put he, he so he's put on administrative leave. Uh, is it paid leave? Uh, non-paid. Non-paid and, uh, leave, and non-paid. Uh, and he doesn't understand why. His boss is not he giving him. His boss is not giving him any reason whatsoever. Right. Okay. And so everybody's on vacation right now. He went to a bar. He seen one of his buddies that used to work for the school district. His buddy was talking to his boss at at a, at, at a bar also. And the boss was telling him what was going on, like, oh, we're going to put this guy on administration leave because he was reading the newspaper while he was supposed to be working. So why didn't they put that down? Uh, I'm surprised they, that, didn't, that that was not uh, part of uh, the missive. I mean, he had to be told he's, putting, he's on administrative leave. There had to be a piece of paper that informed him he was on administrative leave. 
Yeah, he didn't. Uh, and he didn't put anything down there. Is uh, is your father-in-law part of a union? Uh, I believe not. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe. I'm, 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 I'd be surprised if he wasn't. And uh, so what I would do is the first thing you do is go to your union, the union rep. I mean, instantly you get your union involved and the union jumps on. If you it's astounding how the human uh, the union protects its members, uh, even for stuff that's so clearly they're in the wrong. So that's the first step. And after that, then it gets a little bit weird. So uh, try to get uh, tell them to get the union involved. That's the first nine uh, literally choices. And then you go to all the other ones, uh, starting number 10. Uh, Mike. Hello, Mike. Yes, sir. Hi there. How are you? Yes. What can I do for you? It's a pleasure to talk with you. Yes, it is. uh, (laughs) I've been a chronic pain patient for about a decade following five spinal reconstructions. And where I'm what I'm curious about is my Reese, my, uh, pain management doctor recently said everybody in our office is coming down 50% on their opioids. This is something that we've decided as policy. My question is, when you approach medicine in that way, and you're not directing anything toward an individual patient, but blanket changes are made like that, is this malpractice? No, no, it is not malpractice. Uh, some pain management doctor simply so I'm not gonna, I'm not going to give you that kind of medication simply not uh, and there are doctors that won't give opioids under any circumstances oh, so uh, no the answer to your question is no it is not malpractice and if you were to ask me the next question what do I do I'm going to tell you go to another pain management uh, doctor or group that doesn't have a problem. I mean, clearly, there's no fraud in your case, even if there's an investigation, which now there's investigations all over the place. But sure. let's say uh, the doctor is questioned as to your prescription. All you have to do is send uh, the uh, uh, medical records. There you go. This guy's had five back surgeries, and he's in intense well, pain. It's been going forever. So uh, you can investigate your brains out. Who's going to say no to that? I, I know this is a bigger story than you have time for today, but when patients are systematically having prescriptions change based on legislation, yeah, and they culture, can. They, yep, they they can do that. They can uh, make it illegal. You can, uh, for example, wow. w- what if you want heroin and the doctor believes in heroin? <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, it's just it's just not going to work. Or prior to. Uh, California and other states uh, having recreational uh, marijuana. And the doctor, knowing that marijuana is going to help you, could never write a prescription for it. So the the quick answer and the long answer is unfortunately no. And uh, are you, is your body screaming for pain meds right now? It, it is. I mean, I during my fifth reconstruction, they severed uh, the large nerve in my left leg. Purposely, and- right? <laughs> of course. Okay. On, and did it help? Uh, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. It left me in excruciating pain. So oh. yeah, I thanked them for that. Oh, yeah. Uh, and did you sue them for that? <laughs> well, that's that's a side effect and a risk, not a not malpractice. So last last quick piece for you. And again, this is a bigger story. Yes, real quickly, because I have less than a minute. At, at this point, pain, chronic pain patients who are seeing these reductions have no recourse. Right. Other than going to another doctor, that's correct. Unfortunately, they have no recourse because a doctor can legitimately say, 
uh, I don't believe or we're now limited or I've been giving you too much or we've been uh, asked to go in a different direction. For example, what if a pill is now deemed uh, the efficacy of a pill is not as strong as it used to be? And the doctor just says, no, thank you. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, it's gone crazy out there with the opioid use. By the way, I happen to have some uh, from a couple of surgeries I have. I have a bottle of opioids. And I have uh, I have no problem negotiating uh, that one for sure. All right, I want to tell you about uh, Simply Safe and why I'm such a big fan of Simply Face uh, Simply Safe Home Security. Simply Safe uh, simply is prepared for anything you gets that gets thrown at you. Uh, for example, your traditional bad guy breaking in. Well, that's an easy one. Simply Safe is there. But even if a storm takes out your power, Simply Safe is ready. This home security system. Uh, your phone line gets cut. Well, it's ready to go. Uh, Home security is what Simply Safe is about, and they do a better job for this money than anybody I've ever seen. First of all, there's a very high-end security system, and uh, it's very reasonably priced. You install it yourself. Every door, every window, motion detectors, I mean, all of that covered. Took me about half an hour to install my daughter's system, and I can't run a thermostat. I don't know how those work, and I still did it in half an hour. Isn't that kind of nice? In my case, knowing my daughter is safe. She knows she's safe uh, from intruders coming in without her knowing about it and uh, simply safe calling the authorities. No contracts, no fees, uh, monitoring $15 a month. Obviously, I'm recommending Simply Safe to everyone I know and you. And is it worth checking out? You can have very high end home security for a very inexpensive price. Go to simplysafehandle.com, simplysafehandle.com, simplysafehandle.com. This is Handle on the Law. Bill Handel here on a uh, Saturday morning, another hot day in uh, Southern California, particularly here in the San Fernando Valley in Burbank. What was it? Last week, it had 113 or something outside the door. Wow. It was like I walked outside the studio and it was like someone had taken a hairdryer, put it on high and blown it in my face. It was it was pretty bad, but at least we don't get these massive floods uh, that have uh, uh, the rest of the country suffers too often sometimes rarely but we sure get these heat waves don't we wait till wait till uh the big earthquake comes down here then it gets kind of interesting because everybody here in southern california comes from someplace else i mean very very few native southern californians they love it here it's terrific weather is good uh, particularly when you look at the rose parade every january 1st and it's uh 73 degrees and you're sitting there in uh Al- in, in uh, upstate new york uh rochester or Albany, and there's 40 feet of snow outside, and the snow is up over your house with the snow drifts, and you're looking at us at 70-something degrees. And you decide, okay, I'm going to move out. Uh, Then uh, every several years, dozen years, 100 years, uh, the big earthquake comes. And, uh, oh, boy, we're done. All right. Gee, do I have a show to do? As opposed to simply uh, reminiscing uh, and tangentially talking here. All right. Uh, 800-520-1534, phone number to call, top of the hour, if you want uh, some legal advice. 800-520-1534.
This is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you, whatever your name is, that you have absolutely no case. Oh, here's one out of, uh, this is astounding, this is out of uh, Great Falls, Montana. And this young lady, uh, 19 years old, Samantha Mears, is accused of breaking into her ex-boyfriend's home uh, and with a machete, ordering him to take off his clothes and forcing him to have sex with her. Okay. She breaks into his house. She waits for him, according to uh, this uh, police report. When he returns, she confronts him with this large machete, demanded he take off all his clothes, and orders him to lie on the bed. Well, clearly, uh, he's uh, frightened, and so he complies. And uh, she proceeded to remove her pants and climb on top of him. And if you read the report, uh, then she began to engage him in sexual intercourse while holding the machete. And when he tried to get her to stop, she refused, bit him on the arm, still holding the machete. And after she finished, uh, she sat naked on the bed, brandishing the weapon. At one point, uh, the victim was able to take several photos of her, which then he turned over to the police as evidence. And uh, an argument ensued, really, an argument ensued after that. And she ripped a piece of trim from the victim's wall and then deliberately urinated in his bed. And the ex-boyfriend was uh, able to call the cops after he claimed he needed to call a friend. She's also an idiot. And then escaping to, uh, from the room to dial uh, 911. And uh, so she was arrested. Fair enough. Now, I have two questions here that I want to ask about this case. First of all, it seems like this is the dead-bang winner. I mean, I don't know what she's going to say to defend herself, considering the photos, considering everything that happened. And here are my two questions. She was charged with two felonies, aggravated burglary and assault with a weapon, not rape, which I got news for you. This is rape. Forcing someone to have sex At the risk of bodily harm, anywhere you go, that's rape. All right, that's uh, one question that I have. Why wasn't she charged with rape? And I don't know if they're going to amend the complaint. Maybe yes, maybe no. The other question I have, and this is more of a physiological question. How does a man sustain an erection with a machete at his throat And say, and the woman saying, you've got to put out. How does he put out? How do you do that? Man, maybe you're so kinky that it works. I don't know. It's a hell of a case. And I'm looking at, I think it's a mugshot. Let me tell you, this is one angry woman. Uh, Her lips are pursed. She's looking at, oh, you don't want, you know, this is not someone you, um, want to uh, get anywhere near. She has a machete in her hand. And also, man, this is one of the last people in the world I'd want to have sex with without a machete, much less uh, with one at my throat. Go figure, huh? Wow. All right. Uh, Let's go ahead and take some phone calls. What do you think? Uh, Yes. Uh, Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Yeah, hi. I I went into a restaurant yesterday, and they had a sign in there that says, we do not accept any cash. So I guess they only take credit cards, cards and, and uh, electronic payment. Is mm-hmm. that legal? To sure. Do? Absolutely. They absolutely have a right to do that. There are many restaurants that simply are not interested 
in accepting cash. They don't want to deal with it. Uh, they don't want to go to the bank with cash. Uh, it's much easier to deal with credit cards. They don't have to worry about uh, theft from the workers. And uh, sure, they have they have the right to do that. Okay. Okay. Thanks. There you go. Uh, happens, uh, you know, for example, go on uh, Southwest Airlines. I fly Southwest Airlines a lot because uh, I'm here uh, in Southern California, and you can't buy any stuff. Uh, uh, you know, drink whatever. You can't. You, money is out. You can't do it. And we're quickly moving to a cashless society. Anyway, there's going to, there's going to reach a point where it's only going to be electronic purchasing. And it's uh, going to be a well. It's going to get more than that. It's uh, you're you're not going to even whip out a card. What's going to happen is, I believe, your card number will be imprinted on your face, and it'll be facial recognition. And there you go, a little card right there on your forehead. And uh, and I don't think I'm exaggerating too much. Where there'll be some kind of a recognition, uh, and boom, you go in and just put whatever you don't want, and uh, you're done. Matter of fact, I think they're doing that already. In Seattle, uh, with uh, one of the Amazon stores, or like Amazon, Amazon Fresh, I remember passing that. It was the it was only for workers uh, when I saw it a, a year uh, a year ago, and it was one of those that read everything that you put in your basket, and you just walked out the door, and it read everything you were buying. Electron, you already had an account with them, a credit card number, and they just went ahead and swept the card electronically and you walked out the door. It was, uh, that's, that is where we are going. Uh, it's, it's astounding to me, but that's where we are going. All right. Uh, Carol. Hi, Carol. You're up. Welcome. Oh, thank you. Um, my, um, in interest is, uh, fraud. My, um, husband was a, a Vietnam veteran and he got uh, Agent Orange Ooh. and then. Pardon? Oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that. That's a story we've heard way too many times uh, oh, about yeah. about men, men and women who served in Vietnam, and then oh, yeah. and then the, the shame well, of it is the army kept on denying that it was even possible to get sick from Agent Orange. It's it's a well, shameful. He got very sick. Yeah, no, yeah. it's a shameful shameful chapter in uh, in American history. Uh, but yeah. go go on. Well, he, okay, well, he got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and the doctor had given him as much chemo as he could give him, and he gave him six months to live. And so uh, we had a lot of investments at that time um, because we got a really good deal on oil securities. And so we had, you know, we had our hands full there. And so I called a really um, good investment firm that that was highly recommended to me. They took the case and they took the the investments and they were going to handle them for me when I was because she was full-time job for anyone you know medicine all day long and drips and everything right so um we were um coming back from the hospital and the investment we we found out that they had um because we were looking for a house at that time you have to, to make this a little to... shorter carol we don't have okay. too much time oh, sorry well anyway the, um we went to the house that was in my name, and there was another man that uh, that was living there, and um, he said, can I see your ID? And I said, yes, and I went and got it from my husband in the car, and then he, I said, but you have to show me yours, and he said, okay. So I showed him my ID, and he flipped out and started yelling and screaming and pushed Okay, uh, Carol. I mean, Carol. I appreciate this, but this story is okay. going oh. way, way too long. There has to be a question okay. at the end of this. 
Okay, well, what happened is he switched the deed. To, I don't know uh, how okay. he did it, but he switched the deed to his name. And then and then um, he went ahead and, re- and recorded it, correct? And okay. recorded it. Okay, and that's a fraud. Okay, Carol, Carol, I can stop you right okay. there. That's pure fraud. Okay. That's criminal fraud. That's a felony. And you're going to have to get an attorney. First of all, I, I assume you're going to have to get, and I would uh, call the DA's office and say, we've got fraud on our hands. And I'm assuming uh, that city is that who I call his Yeah, the county. You call you call you call the county, and I would also yeah. I and I would talk to attorneys who uh, specialize in elder abuse. You can go to my website, and then they'll probably okay. handle it for you. Go to kfiam640.com. The keyword I'm sorry. Uh, go to handleonthelaw.com, and you'll see a bunch of attorneys there. And you want elder abuse attorneys because that uh, you've been a victim, obviously, of lots and lots of fraud here. This is Handle on the Law. Handle here on a Saturday morning. More Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice. All right. Uh, Rob. Hello. Hey, Bill. How you doing? Yes, sir. um, I I buy some movie posters, uh, rare posters. I brought two posters to a poster restorer. Um, sometimes you have to restore posters to be able to sell them. Mm-hmm. Dropped them off a year ago, more than a year ago, and I stayed in contact with him all the time, uh, sending emails and whatnot, and he keeps saying it's going to get done. As of last this past May, he said it'll be done in a week, and it's still not done. Okay. And now I'm at the point I'm frustrated. I don't know what I can do. Yeah. Um, all right. I've that- used them in the past. Uh, and I've done stuff worth a lot more money, so I'm not sure what's going on here. All right, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So he, uh, right, so he, for a year, he's been holding on to that. And the simple answer yeah. here is a small claims court for the value of the poster. But here's the problem. Uh, first yeah. of all, oh, yeah, no, this gets a lot more complicated than just going to small claims court. Uh, okay. First of all, what was the value of the poster when you brought yeah. it to him, if you could sell it? And how much yeah. would it be after a restoration? And that's a good question. I was going to tell you, um, a lot of times I have posters where they've never been sold before at auction anywhere. Okay. So there's no way to come up with a comparable value. Right. But it's hard. It's hard. This, I know this, yeah, but I know this for a fact. Um, the opening bid of this kind of poster would be about $1,000 minimum. Okay. So, so but, here's, but, here's, but here's the other problem. Uh, yeah. And that is uh, posters are valued also on their condition. Right? Correct. All right. Yes. So how do you establish what condition the poster was in when you brought it to him? It was actually in mint condition. Okay, but how, how do we – did he write that down? Did he say po- – then why would you have to restore it if it was in mint condition? Well, no. I have um, – it was mounted to a board, a large board, and it needs to be removed, and that's part of the restoration process. Okay, so it was so, – uh, okay, yeah. so how – and how much would it have – how much would it have cost to restore it? Uh, about – Maybe two hundred bucks. All right. So here's what yep. you you here's theoretically what you want to do is it's yep. worth a thousand dollars. I want I would pay the two hundred dollars. So therefore, I'm going to assume for eight hundred bucks theoretically. However, okay. Uh, I don't know how you prove mint condition if it's never been. Photo. I'm sorry. I do have I have a photo of the item before it was brought to them, but, and I have a photo at his shop. All right. He started removing it. So, all yeah. right. So you'd be happy with eight hundred bucks in cash. Sure. Okay, that's what you sue him for. Okay. All right, that's simple. And then and then the formula is, here it was in mint condition. Uh, I would have paid $200 in restoration sure. fee. I'm out 800 bucks. That's what I want. And you bring in all your proof. You're going to have to argue mint condition. You're going to have of to course. argue. You're going to have to bring in some kind of expertise. 
uh, to sure. indicate that it was worth a thousand dollars. And I don't know if it's Got one it. of those books. I don't know if it's on yeah. eBay, whatever you bring in, because you're going to have to establish okay. a proof. Because he's going to say, what are you talking about? It's not worth $1,000. Yeah. It's a $20 poster. So there right. is, uh, it, that's the complication of it. But it can be done. Uh, it just is. See, it's so much easier. This is when the law gets a little sloppy. When I loan you $1,000 and you don't pay me, that's easy. It's $1,000. When I give you a contract uh, or I sign a contract that I'm going to do some cabinetry work for $4,000 and I don't do it, that's easy. That's $4,000, although the argument may be, well, I've done part of it and on and on. But uh, hard numbers are easy. When you come in on stuff like this, imagine this. Poster. You kept my poster. I want the value. What is the value? It was in mint condition. How do you prove the value that it was in mint condition? Also, the argument's going to be, how do you prove you're going to get top dollar for it? How many of these have been sold? Oh, they haven't been sold, as he just told me, as Mike just said. Uh, they haven't really been. It was Mike, right? How the hell do I remember? It, uh, it, and if they haven't been sold before, there's almost no way to ascertain the value. See, this stuff is not easy when the law doesn't do a really good job of trying to figure this out. But the only place you can go to for a remedy is a court. And um, then it just uh, temp- restraining orders are another one. Or equity, what's fair and what isn't fair. Now, I don't know. What is the value of your labor that you put in? And uh, there was no contract, but uh, whoever gets the, uh, gets the benefit, you can argue un- unjust enrichment. But what is the value? Well, I put in $200. Well, what is that worth? See, that's the problems that uh, that people have. All right, now, uh, let me talk a little bit about uh, safety. And I'm talking about uh, the safety of your devices, your identity. Uh, I've been telling you about LifeLock, uh, identity protection, for a very long time. And it, today it is so easy for people to steal your identity, these uh, identity thief cockroaches, uh, that I can't even begin to tell you. It's You're vulnerable across the board. So, I have had LifeLock. I've been a customer of LifeLock Identity Protection now for over 10 years. Well, LifeLock has added uh, a new feature, and that's with Norton Security that protects your devices and protects against viruses. For example, ransomware, malware protects against all of that. So now LifeLock with Norton protects across the board. Your devices, uh, the uh, software you have, as well as the traditional identity theft. That is protection. Now, no one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all ID theft, or monitor every transaction, every business. But LifeLock with Norton Security, boy, does that take security to the next level. Go to LifeLock.com or call 800-LIFELOCK. Use the promo code HANDLE for an additional 10% off your first year. LifeLock.com, promo code HANDLE, or call 800-LIFELOCK, promo code HANDLE. This is HANDLE on the law. Forty handle here on a Saturday morning. Uh, we have a couple of lines open. 800-520-1534. 800-520-1534. This is Handle on the Law. Marginal. Yes, marginal legal advice. All right, Camille. Uh, welcome to the show. What can I do for you? Good, good morning. Yes, ma'am. I'm in the process of getting my uh, living trust. 
And unfortunately, I have one of those uh, street people daughters. Unfortunately, she suffers schizophrenia. And um, to leave her out of anything that I have for the living trust. So I was wondering, could I leave a certain percentage to her and then put in there that after a year, if they cannot find her, that it would go to the other two beneficiaries? Sure. You can do whatever you want. Now, the only issue uh, that uh, that can come up is um, that she finds out about it later and then starts arguing that you didn't try hard enough to send to find me. The trustee uh, really didn't try. And he, he or she should have gone a lot further in finding me. Therefore, I'm entitled to my share. So you have to be a little tricky. And uh, if you really want that to happen, be specific as to what the trustee must do. For example, must hire a private investigator, must do a search uh, and describe what the search is. What I would do is uh, talk to a private investigator and say how extensive, uh, what can you do to find someone, and then start listing these things have to be done. And if they don't work within a year, then the money is, uh, in fact, given to uh, your uh, uh, street-living daughter, uh, your homeless daughter. So that's the cleanest way of doing it. But let me ask, uh, Camille, how much money are we talking about in this trust? Uh, in for my home, it'll be about uh, four hundred thousand. And how about assets, um, checking accounts, will uh, uh, bonds, stocks, that sort of thing? Uh, probably. Uh, oh, with the house and everything, maybe uh, five hundred. Okay, five hundred thousand dollars. And how many kids do you have? She is my only one. Oh, so where would the money go? If uh, it's, you, it's going to two better, other beneficiaries. I have to say that I'm going to be giving it to, uh, uh, well, to two friends. All right, you want to make you want to make absolutely sure that you cover yourself, or you not you. You'll be dead already, so it really doesn't matter. And my guess is you'll already be covered, so to speak. So yes. that's no big deal. But in terms of where the money is going to go. What you want to do is cover the beneficiaries. Could she theoretically could come back and go, guess what? I get the money uh, and uh, maybe sue the trustee, sue them uh, for uh, receiving the money they, uh, they shouldn't have. Uh, so first of all, you have you written a trust yet? Um, I'm in the process of it. Do you have a lawyer? Um, no, I'm going, well, yes. Get a lawyer. Talk to them. Yeah, get a trust and a state lawyer because that's the one complication that could really put a wrench in this whole thing. I know. I just would feel bad not, you know, that she did find out that I was passed and I didn't leave her anything. I think that's... And there's a bunch of different ways of doing it. You can leave half of it in in a trust that stays there forever. That... Five years, ten years, that the money is always there, always invested, such as the time that she gets off the street. And then uh, with the trustee, uh, she gets a yearly stipend to keep her alive so she doesn't get all the money in one fell swoop. So there's a million things you can do to deal with it. And what you want to do is uh, you want to uh, make sure that uh, all the bases are covered. That's all. You okay. want to be. A, you just want to be careful, which is why a trust and estate lawyer is something for this complicated. Absolutely for sure. Tricia. Hi, Tricia. Hi, Bill. After waiting um, over a year for 279 charges to be expunged, one week after uh, my ex-husband's wife brought two charges against me, 
didn't show up. They were dismissed. But in the process, I was dismissed from a highly competitive uh, educational uh, continuing education. Why were you wait, wait? Why were you dismissed from the educational program? Because the chart, I uh, uh, she brought um, his his wife brought cyber stalking and physical stalking. Okay, it, but it was just charges, and they uh, they threw you out just because she alleged it. Um, the school didn't. The four um, clinics that I would be working at. Uh, well, would you have? So, would you, but would you have gotten that those clinics anyway? I mean, is there any issue as to they had uh, the uh, discretion to not hire you, to not bring you in? No. Okay. All right. So there, what they did is they wouldn't take you into the program predicated on a uh, on a new wife who obviously there are some bad feelings, clearly, if you can show it with all the lawsuits, simply uh, saying there was cyber stalking and there were there were threats with no proof whatsoever, correct? Correct. Oh, they boy. didn't even show up. They didn't show and up they didn't even show up at what? At the at the court hearing? No, they didn't. I even threw them in uh, small all right. claims court. All right, got it. Well, for, yeah, I don't know what you're going to do with small claims court, but... Well, uh, my sister owns a workers' comp insurance company and she said with those two charges because they don't look like they're from the ex-husband's wife oh that's i don't know okay so they weren't from the ex-husband's wife in terms of proof and you can prove that and you can prove that yes but she said that the way it looks is the state against me okay and And that's the way she's okay my sister said we wouldn't talk to it and football all right and it's a little complicated so uh, you can prove that these were false charges brought against you. You've brought that to the uh, educational facility, those programs, and they still threw you out, right? Um, the dean said that they didn't throw me out. It was the four facilities. Okay, but you can go to the four facilities, and they still won't let you in, even if you show them the proof that this was yeah. fraud. And boy, that's an interesting one. Now it gets yeah. uh, now it gets a little complicated uh, because you may need a court order to uh, force uh, them to allow you into the program. But you know what? Who is it that decides that you're going to be tossed on provable false allegations that are brought against you? That's the part that I don't understand. Is there anybody you can well, talk to because it just doesn't make any sense? Other than they hate your guts, and there are four separate ones. Yes. Um, no, I talked to the background check people, the investigators that do the drug and background checks, and, you know, they have to send the reports to the dean. The dean res- uh, I understand, but you told me you told me the dean understood. The dean is fine. Yes. He's only in, yes. in, but it's those four. deny me. The four clinics. Okay. You know what? Not- We're going around and around and around, and you've told me that story 15 times. We're done. This is Handle on the Law. My God, do I get frustrated, don't I? It's just, you know, get to the point. Get to the point. Sometimes I just don't understand. And there are people that say, Handle, I understood and you didn't. I go, okay. Go stuff it. Bite me, all right? Because we're going to be Handle here on a uh, Saturday morning. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Hey, Jennifer. 
You're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Hello. Yes, ma'am. I wanted to call because my doctor ordered blood work for me, and I was really sick. And the lab had me sign a paper that if Medicare wouldn't pay it, that I would. And I thought, well, this is going to come back, that I needed this stuff, and it did. The only one I'll bore you with is my vitamin D was a six. It's supposed to be 30 to 100. And if he didn't run these tests on old, you know, like six months old things to see if they'd come down or not, everything came down that was bad. Other things that were bad showed up. And Medicare is abdicating the doctor's right to order lab work. And I just think that's wrong, and I would like to know what you think about me suing both the lab and Medicare in small claims court. For It's for $900. That vitamin D test is $250. So, uh, well, first of all, I understood about 10% of what you said. But uh, <laughs> well, the if the test is $250, where's the $900? What am I missing here? Oh, it's the other test that they okay. ran. And, all right, and they ran the tests, and they shouldn't have run the test. Do I have that right? They ran the test, but they said if Medicare doesn't pay them, that I would. But everything was bad, and that's why. Okay, the that, so asked wait a sec. Did Medicare closed. did Medicare pay them or not? No, they didn't. Pay all right, them, so so what's so did they the lab? All right, but did they charge you? Yes. They did you sent pay me a bill? And did you pay it? No, I didn't because it says they'll make arrangements. How about I'll calling five dollars a month? Yeah, how about calling them up and saying, "Here's the document. They're not going to pay you." I'm assuming you have it in writing. If Medicare doesn't pay, we will. Do you have that in writing? Uh, yeah. Okay, then you send them a copy of that and go, "Hey, where? What am I missing here? You said you were going to pay, and now you're collecting. You're collecting me. You're you're breaching your promise. That's an easy one." Yeah, and because the doctor ordered this. I get it. Of course the the doctor ordered it. But but there's the writing. It says if Medicare doesn't pay, we will. Did you understand any of that in the first part? I I had no idea what uh, the tests or didn't tests and uh, vitamin D. Uh, Can't you go to Costco or uh, any other store and get vitamin D and you get about 400 pills for eight cents? I take vitamin D, and you get it by the barrel full at Costco for a couple of bucks. Uh, go for, figure. All right, Brandy, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Hi. Um, my tax guy promised, uh, I sent it all in. He said, um, you're going to have an extension. I said, well, that's unfortunate because I get money back. Um, and so then... I emailed him. I'm just I'm trying to get a hold of him, and I can't. I get paperwork in the mail the other day. It says, um, sign here and complete by tax day. So the two children I'm claiming, my two children, one he has written down with the wrong last name. The other one's not on there, and that she's a male. And my daughter also had, my older daughter, um, I had to file something. She made like $700 this year. She's 12, and I got something, in the, and I sent it in with. Um, how much did all this cost you? Now, how much did all this cost you that you, beyond paying? How, what did it cost you beyond paying the tax that you owed? It was um, six hundred. Six hundred dollars. What is what? Six hundred dollars is what you lost. Yes. Okay. And now I, I don't even know what taxes. I don't even know how to file. Like, well, that gets well. That gets easy. You hire another. You hire another accountant. 
Okay. And whatever you have to pay well, the other accountant, you sue him plus the six hundred dollars. That's it. Okay. Now, what about my returns and all that? I just give him the paperwork; he'll be able to figure it out. The new accountant, yeah. Okay. Is yeah. It, and then small claims. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's an easy one. It's just uh, just hire a new accountant. I mean, how hard is that going to be? Because I fired accountants before, so that's not uh, that's not hard. All right, my, Matthew. Hi, Matthew. Hello, Bill. Yes. So, I perform handyman work with my cousin. We charge $20 an hour. I, we were hired to demolish or gut an apartment, two-bedroom apartment, remove everything from the drywall to the floors. I agreed to take on the job, told him at $20 an hour, it might take about 150 hours, but for $500 up front, I can get started right away. That would cover... Um, you know, labor for the first day and uh, some disposable uh, disposal fees for the, uh, the, the, uh, the debris. So he said, great, I will next day you a check. That was on a Tuesday. Well, Wednesday was a holiday, completely understand. Thursday, would it would have gotten there. Thursday comes, the check's not there. I get a tracking number. I find out he didn't even send the check till Thursday. And as it all unfolds, I didn't get the check till five days after the I was supposed to start the job. So now I'm out. I figure one day of work between the cousin and I, uh, you know, eight hours, $20 an hour. All right. Okay. So moving forward, 40 hours after I received the check, I'm rescheduling my cousin and I and uh, ordering the big roll-off dumpster to show up on the job site. Um, and the manager of this property has already approved, gave me the check, says, yeah, get here Thursday or Friday, and you can finish it over the weekend. And that would be this weekend right now. Uh, the um, regional manager calls me on Wednesday and says, if you don't have a dumpster here today, I'm canceling the whole job. Totally unreasonable. Uh, they they delayed me. Okay, so we can't go through all of this for the next five okay, minutes. Here, here's my question: Am I obligated to give the five hundred dollars back? No, God, no. Not only are you not obligated to give the five hundred dollars back, uh, I think whatever damages beyond that uh, you are yeah. entitled to, and that uh, I would argue work lost. Although that's yeah. a little speculative, you'd have to have someone to come in and say, we, "Yeah, we I would." Other jobs we could have. Okay, and you can and you can yeah. prove that. Yep. Okay, then there it is, all your damages. Uh, the, right, the money so if he made. tries to sue me, I just go to the judge and say, hey, uh, he, he rescheduled. Oh, yeah, and, and the fact is, minute. now in the in, uh, on the computer it says uh, they canceled the check, correct? He tried to, but it's already cashed. Okay, so that doesn't, uh, all right, so you got the money on that one, because had he canceled yep. it, you not been cost, uh, that would have been triple damages. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, you should have... Uh, uh, should have not, yeah. Well, well should have waited until after. But you didn't know that. I'd have to go after them. For yeah, the no, yeah, yeah. But that's that's it. Yeah. Those are your damages. You pretty well have it. Uh, yeah. All right, Samuel. Hello. Hi, Bill. Yes. I, wa- I won a, a judgment in small claims court uh, for some work done, and uh, because the defendant did not show up. Uh, so he asked for vacating of the judgment, and at the next hearing, he didn't like the sit-in judge, so we got another hearing. At that hearing, he brought uh, a mediator over to us, and we uh, went to mediate. In the mediation, it seemed that uh, the mediator was biased it seemed toward him i'm wondering is there any such thing as a fraudulent mediation and there may be i don't know but certainly not in this case samuel because mediation is not binding so you could have said no no i'm not interested in that in that agreement 
and you walk out and you do the trial again. You, you know, the fact is, if you agreed to mediation and then you start arguing fraudulent mediation, what are you going to say? Uh, is your defense really going to be, I'm sorry, I'm that stupid, Your Honor. Uh, right. Yeah, I'm even more stupid than that. I mean, literally. Uh, okay. Mediation is uh, its exactly what it sounds like. Mediation. Both sides sit down. You want to cut a deal. We'll go halfway. And this is before you go into court. So the answer is absolutely not. Did you settle the case and you got the money? Did not get any money. It was, they promised okay, then, to do okay. the work and did not. Oh, no, I understand. But in terms of the mediation. No, not got nothing from Okay. It. Do you have a court date? Uh, no, I'm sorry. We dismissed the case. Why? Uh, stupidity. Right. Okay. Now you beat me to it. Fair enough. This is Handle on the Law. Saturday uh, handle here, a hot one, and let me just uh, quickly give you the phone number because uh, we do have lines open. It's the top of the hour, so I'm going to suggest you jump on it. Because sometimes people have waited over an hour to be on the phone, so here it is: one eight hundred five two zero fifteen thirty four. One eight hundred five two zero one five three four. Lines are open, and if you don't call in, which is fine, I don't care if you call or not, but. If you happen to have a legal question and you ever see me, ever, and then you start complaining and bitching about how you couldn't get through, I'm going to kick you in the crotch. I'll tell you right now. It's going to go, whoom. All right? Not pleasant. 800-520-1KFI. That's 800-520-1534. Now, I only get upset because people actually do that. I mean, they do. And then here I am at the top of the hour and we have lines open and it just drives me completely nuts. All right, that's uh, 800-520-1534. Got my paper here. You know, my story, ready to go. All right, this is Handle on the Law, marginal legal advice, where I tell you you have no case. Oh, God, this is great for those of us who are McDonald's fans. Even if you're not, this is a fun one. All right, two McDonald's customers in Florida are suing for $5 million, suing McDonald's. Fair enough. And what is the basis of their lawsuit? They're being unfairly charged for cheese that they don't want on their burgers. And here is their argument, that hamburgers and cheeseburgers are different prices on the McDonald's menu. But when you order a quarter pounder without cheese... You still pay the same amount of money as if you are ordering with cheese. In other words, uh, the quarter pounder comes with cheese. And if you say no cheese, they're still going to charge you. As I say, no pickles, no tomatoes. Not going to charge you any less. Same thing goes with cheese. Except they're saying if you look at the other products, excuse me, if you look at uh, the regular burgers other than the quarter pounder, cheese is more money. That's worth $5 million because you never know when you're uh, charged the five cents different, the 10 cents different. But what they're doing is they're seeking a class action lawsuit, and uh, which I don't quite understand because you don't start talking about damages. All you want is a class action status. And uh, McDonald's used to sell four different quarter pounder options, two without cheese. And those without cheese actually cost less, 30 to 90 cents. But at some point, the lawsuit said, the restaurants stopped separately displaying the products for purchase on their menus. Right now, it's just the quarter pounder with cheese and the double quarter pounder with cheese. In other words, 
the cheese comes with it. And if you argue, hold the cheese, I expect or they expect to be charged less. Interesting, interesting case when you think about it. And since this changed, the lawsuit said customers have been forced and continue to be overcharged for these products, forced to pay for two slices of cheese that they don't want. They don't order. They don't receive. And McDonald's is being unjustly enriched. And the plaintiffs, these two, Cynthia Kistner and Leonard Werner, uh, have suffered injury as a result of the purchases because they were overcharged. We're required to pay for cheese, which is not a component of either the quarter pounder or double quarter pounder, and they want no cheese. Now, let's go to the website of McDonald's. It lists the ingredients of the quarter pounder with cheese, right? Uh, It also lists the nutritional information on and describes uh, the quarter pounder without cheese and does not specify prices for the two. Of course, McDonald's says, um, uh, no, these claims are bogus uh, because the advertised quarter pounder uh, comes with cheese. And people can can be allowed to customize their orders. No cheese, no pickles, no sauce, but we're going to charge the same. Interesting lawsuit. So is it a quarter pounder with cheese that you hold the cheese and are still still paying for the whole thing? Or is it a quarter pounder and they are simply offering uh, the cheese and are going to make more money on it? And because in other products that they have, cheese is extra. Hmm. Interesting case. Hmm. I don't know which way I go on this one. For me, it's a no-brainer because there's no such thing as me ordering a burger without cheese. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, that's, it's like a day without sunshine. You know, it's uh, a burger with no cheese. Uh, it makes no sense. I mean, I just, every time I look at someone who's ordering a burger without cheese, I go, what are you doing? You know, what, what planet are you on? Okay, let's go ahead and take some phone calls. What do you think, huh? All right. Uh, Shirley, don't call me Shirley. Hi, Shirley. You're up. Hi, thank you. Yes, ma'am. A couple of years ago, my uncle died and uh, left myself and a few other uh, people some money. Uh, The following year after his death, the lawyers and the trustees finally dispersed with the estate, got everything settled, and I received the money the middle of the next year. At the end of that year, I received from the lawyers uh, Form 1040 stating these are the taxes I need to file uh, with regard to the money, in which I gave my tax person and uh, paid the taxes, which is quite a bit. Uh, I, don't, I don't understand that because uh, the uh, their inheritance, you inherited, correct? Yes, I did. And uh, when you, it takes an astronomical amount of money on inheritance before tax uh, is attributed to it. How much money are we talking about here? It was a couple hundred thousand. Yeah, that's not a, that is, that there shouldn't be a tax bill here. Except and when I uh, asked the attorney, he said, your uncle had some money. Most of it was not, but he had money in a, a brokerage account, which is taxable income. Well, but maybe to the estate, but not to you. 
So I don't quite understand which which way it's going to this. So well, what, would what, it be different with different states? Because uh, I'm in California. He well, there's fe- no there's federal income tax. It is different. Some most states don't even have. Uh, it may not even have inheritance tax, but this is the feds. This is the IRS. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't understand. What does your accountant say? Well, when I went to the tax person, he said, yes, on this you do. And it did raise my tax level because I do work. All right. You have to go to another tax person. Uh, uh, this doesn't make sense to me. I mean, is your question a tax question? No. Next, meaning now, just now, I received from the IRS after I paid the additional tax now wants to charge me interest on that money that I Because you, you didn't pay it uh, until – you didn't pay it uh, for a period of time after you received it, correct? In the calendar year, you didn't pay it in that year. But you're saying you didn't receive it in that year either. Uh, that's correct. I didn't so, receive it. All right. So, you're, so you did pay the tax, which you shouldn't have paid, mm-hmm. in the year that you received the money and they want interest on that. Exactly. You need another accountant. Oh. Believe me, uh, none of this makes any sense. Okay. You you definitely need another accountant on this. Uh, you know that's there's no issue there. Uh, it drives me nuts. I was you know I almost lost uh, my train of thought. Was, you know something under my desk that I'm feeling. It's just uh, I don't know what it is. I have to look at this. You know what's poking out here. Uh, there's just something there. Okay, we'll uh, uh, let's take a break while I figure out what's going on here. Uh, this is handle on the law. Uh, in my office. So I'm trying to get back in from the hallway, and I had to uh, get someone down there to help me out. Screaming, does anybody have a card key in the other? And it's empty. It's Saturday morning. So thank goodness uh, one of the interns was, uh, you know, one of the $12 an hour interns that just finished their master's degree in uh, communications at SC, having paid $300,000 so they can work part-time for 12 bucks an hour around here. Uh, just a value judgment, that's all. And that was me running, too. Okay, what show is this? Oh, yeah, 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 and I remember. This is Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right, John, you're up. Hello, John, welcome. Yeah, I have a, I received a letter from an attorney stating that I'm being sued by uh, another attorney and offering services because there was a sign, uh, a handicap sign, missing off one of my commercial buildings. And uh, in this letter, it states that the person who's the plaintiff uh, noticed that there was the blue markings on the the pavement, and the placard that held the sign was on the wall. (laughs) But they're suing me, and they're suing my tenant. Yeah, of course they are. And my tenants uh, uh, has since left. This is in the last year. Okay. And uh, he's 
and I have a new tenant in the building. Uh, they've attempted service. I've been out of, out of state. Yeah, well, they're going to get service. And here it is. These are scammers, uh, these law firms, these lawyers that look for small technical violations. For example, mom and pop uh, stores. Let me give me an example. Uh, handicap ramps, right? Uh, because everybody has to have a ramp these days. If the ramp is one degree off in, term of, in terms of its incline, one degree off lawsuit, uh, you violated under the ADA, uh, Americans with Disability Act, and they'll settle for $5,000, $6,000. So uh, be prepared. They're going to ask you for several thousand dollars. Now, you've got a couple defenses here. You go to your insurance company, and I think your defense is no one ever told you that you had right. no idea, and this is the first time you've been informed and uh, you were going ahead and working to fix it. Obviously, someone took the sign, and you had no way of knowing. And right. it, they could have very well taken the sign. Themselves. Uh, that, yeah, that's uh, the argument I would have made. Uh, is uh, So I think you have to contact your insurance company or see what they want. Uh, you can call them up and go, what do you guys want? And if it turns out that they want the, the normal three, that's what they want because no one else is going to do that. It's, these, these are scams. And you can go to the state bar and find out how many complaints have been against uh, this law firm, for example, that does this. And I guess I guarantee you it'll be somebody uh, who inevitably has sued many other businesses because uh, these people make their living going from business to business and trying to get people on technical violations. For example, uh, bathrooms, handicapped bathrooms. The mirror is a half inch too high. I'm not kidding either. Lawsuit, violation of law. That's what they do. So uh, you call your insurance company and uh, just ask, what do I do about this? I mean, I don't well, want to make... Had, yeah, what do they... I, you did? I had a question. Uh, under our contract, uh, they tend to assume total responsibility for the parking lot and the building. Right. I'm a third-party beneficiary to their insurance Okay. Uh, so there's your there. So when you get sued, you counter sue. Okay. Because believe me, they're going to sue you. Right. Call your insurance company and just say, "What do I do?" Don't put in a claim yet. Just right. ask, "What do I do?" Because believe me, they've had this experience before. Okay. All right. Try that. I hate those firms that do that. They are such slime. Now, for those people that hate lawyers, there's just a few out there, and, and me included. Uh, but. Uh, still, it's uh, that part just drives me completely nuts. All right, Neil, you're up. Welcome. Hello, Neil. Keep on coughing, please. Hey, good, yes. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Yes. Um, I, contra- I contracted scabies at a high-end assisted living property. Oh, congratulations. Um, I, yeah, I suffered immensely for seven to nine months. Um, I wasn't sure where I contracted the scabies. And the medical bills are very nominal because there's only one treatment. And then when I went back, the doctor told me, well, you're not getting better because you're getting reinfected. So uh, even with the treble damages on the medical bills, um, it's, it's nothing, right? The suffering was absolutely incorrigible yeah. because I, my, I felt like my immune system was shutting down. I, I was. How, like, Neil, I how do you feel? Wait, wait, wait. Hold on a minute. How do you feel your immune system is shutting down? Well, I don't know what that means. Well, I, I seem to. Well, I, maybe that wasn't the right way to put it. I, I it just, I would, my whole being, it, it just, it, it, I felt like I was having an allergic okay, reaction. Fair to enough. All right. So that is. Whatever. All right. So let's it was say. Just okay. So let's say all of that but is true. Here's what ha- Go ahead. Okay. 
So then what happened was I found out way after the fact that community care licensing actually had uh, cited them for not reporting the issue to them. And then I found out after I had not been working at the property anymore, uh, I was a contractor, that a meeting had taken place with the executive director and the LVN where they specifically instructed uh, the staff not to alert any visitors. All right, so you got it. Fair enough. All right, you know what? I'm going to just give it to you. All right, Neil, uh, let's say you have all the proof in the world that you got the scabies from that place, all right? And here are the medical bills. Now, uh, let me ask you, uh, what do you think anybody, including the legal system, cares about your pain and suffering under these circumstances? Yeah, zero. That's correct. Zero. So you have uh, your medical bills. Uh, you can start to argue that, yeah, I felt horrible, and here are the symptoms, and I went through it, and it's going to be a negotiation of which you're not going to get a whole lot more. Uh, trust me, no lawyer is going to take it, Neil. My, my question to you is because this meeting took place where they advised yes. staff not to alert the resident, sure. isn't there another cause of action? No, not really. Worried? No, because your damages are still your damages. And if there is a cause of action, then it would be the, uh, the Board of Health. All it does is help prove your case that you got it from that place. That's all. And it is. So that's why I said I'll give it to you. You're right. You got it from that place. But your damages are, unfortunately, even you admitted, are minimal, almost non-existent. All right. Let me tell you about Simply Safe. Oh, I like this company. This is home security. And I installed one of these Simply Safe systems in my daughter's place. And I have a couple of friends of mine who did exactly the same thing. Based on my recommendation, which is always kind of neat, Simply Safe is home security that you install yourself. Uh, it is very reasonably priced, and this is high end home security. I mean, this is virtually a professional system. Every door, every window, motion detectors, an alarm you can hear six blocks away, all of that. And it takes about, you know, it took me half an hour to put one in my daughter's uh, house. And I, and, and I don't know how to use a thermostat. And I'll tell you what else they give you. It's 24-7 monitoring at $15 a month, no contracts, no hidden fees. This is why I like Simply Safe so much, and I've recommended it to everyone I know. This is worth checking out. You just feel safer. My daughter feels safer. I feel safer because she feels safer. Go to simplysafehandle.com, simplysafehandle.com. That's simplysafehandle.com. This is Handle on the Law. Saturday morning, 800-520-1534. If you have a uh, marginal legal question, 800-520-1534. Welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. All right, Sam. Yes, sir. Hey, Bill. Yes. I had a quick question. I was in San Diego, went to a parking lot. Yes. Uh, It said, $10 Ten dollars for twelve hours, twenty dollars for twenty-four hours. Mm-hmm. I chose the hill. I'm sorry, I lost you. Seat. Yeah, you're cutting in and out. Go ahead. You were in a parking sorry. lot. Said uh, gave me the uh, the amount of money that it cost. Yes, go on. So I went ahead and put a twenty-dollar bill. Yes, and it said they're going to charge me ten dollars. I got a receipt, and there was no change. Mm. And then I looked around, and on the machine they had a sign that says this machine doesn't dispense change. Aha. Uh-huh. 
I called the company and said, hey, I'm in San Diego. I can come down and pick up my change. And they said, nope. You know, again, the receipt says that they charged me 10 bucks. I paid them 20 bucks. Right. And tough luck. I, and yeah, I, was, no, I get it. It sounds like the McDonald's cheeseburger. Right. It does, no, no, it doesn't sound that way at all. It sounds a lot more serious. So what's your question? Well, my question is, uh, can I get my $10 back? Yeah, I think, I, I think you can. No, I, I think you can. I think you can. And here's what I want to do is I want you to... Uh, put, I want you to uh, go on hold. I'm going to put you on hold, and I'm going to give you the name of a couple of lawyers, and I'm going to try to get them to go down from their normal $450 an hour to, to $350 an hour uh, to take your case for your 10 bucks. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, what, how the hell do well, I know? I, you call them up and you start screaming. It depends on how... It really depends on how obvious that sign was. This machine does not dispense change. Okay, uh, by the way, you ever heard of a credit card? I'm a cash guy, Bill. What do I do? What, what, what do I well, let you? me put it this way. I use credit cards for parking. You want to know something? Do you know how many times I've been ripped off by those machines? Never. That's how many times I've been uh, ripped off by those machines. But hold on. I'm, gonna I'm give not you... as smart as you. I, obviously. Uh, as a matter of fact, you're not as smart as a whole lot of people. You're not as smart as three-quarters of the callers that call. And let me tell you what that says about you. All right. I'm a, but incidentally, just it used to be where I'm a cash guy actually meant something. I mean, you, that was simply a way of doing life. You know, cash, credit cards, uh, it's sort of, yeah, okay. Today, if you're a cash guy, you're an idiot. You're a moron. Now, I can understand old school. I still write my checks, by the way, and everybody makes fun of me. I just like writing checks. It's just one of those things uh, that it's like reading a book versus reading your Kindle, although I have my Kindle and my iPad that I read, but it's not the same. I read the newspaper on Sunday. I like doing that. And here I am. I'm looking at my com- uh, the computer screen where every morning I get the L.A. Times, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, which I look at as I'm preparing for the show. And I have that on right now. Uh, so I don't have a problem with that, but I'd rather, new- I'd rather read the paper. And uh, Sunday morning, have for me, waking up early, which I always do, my family sleeps because they're a bunch of near-do-wells and suck up all my money. My family sleeps, and I go downstairs, and I pick up uh, the newspaper, and I put the coffee on, and I grab a bagel or two or four, and I just, that's, that's heaven to me. So, and there are so many, how many people actually read the newspaper, you know, with the the ink, in, you know what, uh, you know, all these black streaks on my bagel look like? But going without a credit card today is a very different animal. You, you simply, uh, you know, you just don't do it. All right, Sophia. Hi, Sophia. Welcome. Hi. Yes, ma'am. I, I, ha- I adopted a dog from the shelter. Okay, you ad- I'm sorry, because you're cutting in and out, too. You adopted a dog from the shelter, correct? Yes. Okay. And I went to the store last week. They they don't allow dogs in the store, so I left him in the car with the windows down. It and it was on daytime. It was not hot at all. But now. What do you mean? Last week. Hold on. Wait a minute. Last week, in the daytime. Uh, you know how hot it was well, July 4th? Uh, no, it was not hot It yet. wasn't the same 115 no, degrees no, on July 4th? Okay, no. fine, okay. It was, 
All right, got it. All right. But the, the shelter uh, doesn't want to give him back to me because they say you left him in the car unattended, so that's it. Well, hang on a minute. How did the shelter get the dog from your car? <clears throat> because um, I I don't know if the dog jumped out of the windows because I left all windows down or somebody uh, grabbed him. No, I think the dog jumped out. Okay. And, found him and, the, and, the, and, the, shelter, and the shelter won't give you your dog back? No. Okay. And what's your question? My question is, is, is uh, um, do I have a chance succeeding at small claims court? For what? You think because- what, for the value of a mutt? No, I want the dog back. Yeah, first of all, small claims court, will make they, they don't have the, the jurisdiction. They don't have the authority to order a dog back. They just don't do that. Uh, that's oh. for starters. Also, even if they did, Sophia, no one's going to give your dog back. You leave the windows open, the dog unattended, it jumps out. Somehow it ends up at the shelter where you got the dog. For God's sake, that that is neglect. That's a, You can't do that. You can't leave dogs with the windows open. Oh. Yeah, you can't. That's uh, that's a no-no. So, uh, I, didn't, no, you're, I didn't think he would jump. Well, he, well, good. All right, now what? Okay. So yeah, you're screwed. I, I, I yeah, you're, you're screwed. Yeah, go to another. You know what? Go to another shelter and they'll say this one and then get a dog uh and next time roll the windows up so the dog doesn't jump out when it's 110 degrees outside and see if you don't get any trouble with that one too okay uh bill hi bill hello mr handel yes uh, the reason i'm calling is i don't trust my insurance company of course not why would you <laughs> yes well, but exactly. uh, th- there's a question there so what is it's, it here it comes my daughter just turned 17, and I told them my plan is to get her a car in her name and insurance in her name in case of a crash and liability. But my insurance agent said, well, if she still lives at your house, they can still sue you. Yeah, they can. Well, yep, the driver the driver of the other car or the pedestrian that she hits probably can still sue you. Uh, although it's harder, it's harder to make a case. And I'd feel better if she were 18, for example, as an adult. But the argument is going to be that she lives in your house. She is a minor. And therefore, you're responsible for her in general. You're, you, you are still an adult with a minor child. So, therefore, you're responsible for what your child does. And so what they're going to do, whoever she hits, bypasses uh, everything. So, you know, you got a couple of choices. And uh, that is... You put it in her name, which is somewhat safer, by the way. If it's a fender bender or whatever, uh, the insurance probably isn't going to go after you, uh, the other driver. They're going to simply go after the limits of uh, the insurance on her. Uh, We're talking about the insurance company. If she goes past the limits, they're going to go after you. Uh, Because if it's $5,000, you have $1,530. No one's going to argue. They're going to write a $5,000 check. Your insurance is or hers. Big deal. But. Let's say she runs over uh, an eight-year-old kid in a wheelchair in the crosswalk against the red light. And then the kid goes flying and hits another kid who's blind and has no legs. And then that kid flies up in the air and uh, hits a a power pole and electrocutes himself. And, uh, you know, and then you've got some liability there, don't you? That's a bar exam, by the way. That's typically a bar exam question. Just goes on and on and on. So here are your choices. Uh, either you don't let her drive until she's 18. Uh, you get you buy plenty of insurance, as in well beyond 1530. 
although it's going to cost you some money until she's 18 years old. And once she's 18, you're, you're in pretty good shape, even if she lives at home. But it's not a question of not trusting the insurance company, Bill. You've got that all wrong. It's a question of just dealing with the world of insurance. When your daughter turned 17, what did you do? She didn't get a license until they were 18, 18 and a half. And wow. uh, what they did is, yeah, that's them. It wasn't me stopping them. Uh, it's just that that's what kids do today. It drives me completely crazy. Uh, so uh, in my daughter's case, uh, the one who doesn't live with me lives in a condo with uh, my goddaughter. Uh, she ha- We put the insurance in her name on her own, and she is, uh, she's had six accidents. So we had to wait until uh, six fender, bender, fender benders. Isn't that special? And so we had to wait for the insurance to drop off. My other daughter is on my plan. And it just costs money because she's now 23. She has a good record. She's had one accident. It was four years ago. And uh, she is, um, by the time when she hits 26, she'll just be another adult in my family. Until then, I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's, okay. not, it's not a question of not trusting. It's a question of getting screwed, which you will be. So if you were me, briefly, you would keep her on my insurance, but just get more insurance. Yeah, that's one way of doing it. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're only talking about a year. Okay, and thank it may, you very much. All right, it may cost you a couple $3,000. I mean, if you knew how much I paid just by having my daughter on there, it's ridiculous amounts of money. But then that's that's insurance. I mean, there's no way around it. And you you, you have to have insurance. I mean, it's impossible not to have insurance. This is Handle on the Law. Phone number 800-520-1KFI. That's 800-520-1534. And, of course, uh, I do that uh, for another hour after this one, right up until 11 o'clock. A couple lines open, 800-520-1534. Back we go. More handle on the law. Marginal legal advice. Advice. Lamia, is that right? That's a great name. Lamia? Yes, this is yeah. Lamia. Great name, I, crappy signal. Uh, tell me about the name for a moment. I've never heard that name before. Uh, where does that come from? It's uh, partly Russian. Part Russian, okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, interesting. All right, what can I do for you? Okay, my question is about uh, my husband passed away three months ago. Mm-hmm. And he left a car loan behind, so the car is still in my possession. When I called the bank, they said they will, uh, you know, come and pick it up. But I'm still waiting for them, and I don't know what the outcome is. You know, am I liable? Yeah. Well, was the car in? Was it car and the loan in his name? Correct. Okay, it wasn't in your name. No, I'm not involved at all. Yeah, uh, well, they're going to go out. They're going to go after you anyway, because that's what they do. And then the issue is, are you going to tell them to go pound sand? How much is the car worth? Um, right now, it's about ten thousand dollars. All right. So, are they going to go after you uh, for ten thousand dollars? They're going to sell it at auction. Maybe you'd uh, get three, four, six thousand uh, dollars. First of all, you have to call them up and say get rid of the car because the car payments continue to pile up. So you want to let them know the car's been sitting there and you have to pick it up. This is my husband's car. He is dead. And pick up your car. You've done that, right? I have 
have them. That All right. Time, and I followed up to, you know, to let them know that I'm waiting for them to pick it up. Okay, so that's good. Oh, At least that, that part you're covered because they cannot come back and argue you owe more and more and more money because they said, hey, you guys didn't pick it up. Uh, so... Uh, the rest of it is I would just keep on writing them every week. It's an easy one because it's just an email saying you haven't picked up the car yet. You haven't picked up the car yet. Matter of fact, I would probably do it every couple of days. You haven't picked up the car yet. So uh, as they try to ding you with money, uh, you're going to say, no, thank you. Now, uh, when they do pick up the car, what they're going to do is sell it at auction. And the oh. diff- well, how much money is owed on the car? That's really the issue here. It is the ten thousand. It's it owed. 10, okay, and how much is it? And you say it's worth ten thousand? It's not worth ten thousand. It's probably worth maybe eight or nine. Okay, 000. so uh, it's worth eight. They'll sell it for five uh, because uh-huh. you, at auction, and so there'll be five thousand dollars left over. And then they're probably going to go after you, arguing that you owe the money. You're going to go no. And do they sue you? I have no idea. But uh, maybe. And you just fight it. Although your argument is going to be, it has nothing to do with me. He bought it separately. They're going to say he's paying for You're paying for it with uh, community assets. So it's going to be a fight back and forth is what's going to happen. But at this point, just tell him to go pound sand. I mean, okay. I assume you have money. You have assets, right? A um, little bit. Not too much. All right. Let him know you're broke, too. That's always very helpful. Matter of fact, give your. Do uh, you live in an apartment? Uh, yes. Oh, you know, it's not a home, right? No, it's not. All right. When you ha- I, here's what I would do is I would uh, give them your address as the dumpster at the back of your apartment. Make sure that when you put down uh, your address, uh, just you know, put down your address one four three Maple Street, dumpster uh-huh. behind the building, is where you live. Tr- try that. <laughs> That may actually work. (coughs) Excuse me. I'd buy that. All right. Now, uh, let me tell you what's at risk for your identity theft. Everything. Every device you have, your credit cards, checks if you have them. Uh, Literally, these cockroach identity thieves can get into anything. And once they have your identity... Then you are in a nightmare. They start taking out credit in your name. They go after bank accounts. I mean, they really can do that, which is why I'm suggesting and have suggested for about 10 years LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. They've saved my ass a couple of times. Well, there's more in terms of threats out there, which is why they have added Norton Security. So now with the power of Norton Security, it's, uh, it secures you against threats to your devices as well as against ransomware and malware. See, that's what we're talking about here. Protection on a whole new level, which is what you need, which is what we all need. Now, no one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft, or monitor every transaction, every business. But new LifeLock with Norton Security not only can see threats you must otherwise miss on your own, but it's security to a next level. Go to LifeLock.com or call 800-LIFELOCK. Use the promo code HANDLE. That's lifelock.com, promo code HANDLE for 10% off your first year or call 800-LIFELOCK. This is Handle on the Law.
This is Handle on the Law. Marginal legal advice, but I tell you, you have absolutely no case. Oh, this is a fun one against the post office. Normally, I tell you, you can't sue the government. Very, very difficult. They make it almost impossible. But the post office is really not the government. It's a quasi-governmental agency. It's sort of uh, betwixt and between. It's like a hermaphrodite. You don't quite know which way it's going to go. So uh, there is an artist, Robert Davidson, who uh, had an image of, uh, his, uh, of his sculpture. His sculpture being the New York, New York Casino in Las Vegas, a Statue of Liberty. Which, uh, if anybody been to Las Vegas, you know that it's in the New York, New York uh, Hotel. It's beautiful. And so the um, post office issues a forever stamp of the image of the Statue of Liberty. And there's, uh, I don't know how many billions uh, were, in fact, uh, issued. Now, the post office uh, had originally picked the photo from Getty Images, thinking that it showed the real statue. And they sized it, and they cropped it to fit on the stamp and released it to the public. Three billion of these have been printed. The problem is, it's not a an image of the real Statue of Liberty. It is off of a picture of his statue, Robert Davidson's statue, which is actually different. Uh, the eyes are a little bit wider, and the mouth is a little differently shaped. There's a kind of a different expression. I mean, it's different enough to know that it's different. So he sues. He sues for copyright infringement. He had a copyright on it. It's fine. The post office stole it, whether inadvertently or not. And I want some money because uh, you sold three billion of these stamps. And it was a stamp collector that noticed uh, that it was the wrong Lady Liberty. So the post office discontinued the design in 2014. Originally, it was 2011. Uh, well, actually, it was released to the public in 2010. And then in 2011, uh, it was noticed that it was the wrong Lady Liberty. The post office discontinued in 2014 after having sold $4.9 billion of these stamps, almost $5 billion, bringing in $2.1 billion dollars. And so here is a situation where the owner of the copyright can point to saying, here's how much money you brought in specifically. Here is how you using my image settling uh, $3.5 million. Actually, a federal court has ruled. It went to federal court. And that's how much he gets. Post office pays $3.5 million. Not a bad deal. Let's take some phone calls. Oh, righty. Uh, Sean, uh, welcome to Handle on the Law. Hi. Uh, my question is, me and my wife are getting a divorce. And so far, it's been pretty civil. Uh, and I'm going to let her have the house, have her car. All I want is my car and 50-50 custody. Now, she agrees to that right now. So is there any kind of legal document we could fill out right now before it goes Not to as to custody. Not as to custody, Sean. Uh, certainly okay. in terms of I'll keep this car, you get the house, I'll uh, I'll keep this business. That you can fill out and that you can agree to 
prior to walking into court. And it's a good idea that both of you have an attorney that signs off on it so you knew what rights you're giving up. Because it sounds like she's getting more than you, and you get half of everything. So you're probably giving up more than you have to. Now, if you are giving up more than you have to because you're going to, you're, she agrees to 50 50 custody of the kid, hey, you get 50 50 custody anyway, Sean. No matter what oh. she does and no matter what you do. How old are the kids? Uh, six. They're twins. Uh, and how close would you live to uh, to the house, to where the twins live? Uh, I actually moved out, and I live a half a mile away. I think you're going to get joint custody. And what about alimony? She says she's not asking for alimony, and we've been living, or I mean, we've been married for 10 years. Yeah, she can have, well, you- who, makes more of the mo- who makes most of the money? You do? Yes. Does she work? Yes. Okay. Uh, how much does she earn versus how much do you earn? She earns about twelve hundred a year. I earn. I wait, wait. Twelve hundred or twelve thousand? Twelve hundred a month. All right. So she earns fourteen thousand dollars. Yeah. And, and how I much? I make about three thousand a month. All right. Yeah, you'll pay some some spousal support, not a lot. And uh, I I don't even think you're going to pay pay child support because each each of you are going to have the child uh, or the kids, the twins, uh, half the time. Girls or boys or both? Uh, Both. A girl and a boy. I love it when people, I, under those circumstances, because my kids are twins and uh, we have uh, twin, a lot of people have friends uh, that are twins simply because it sort of worked out that way. And I love it when someone has a boy and a girl and the question is, are they identical? And you have uh, to go, yeah, no, not really. It's, that's no, a tough, no. tough question to answer. Anyway, that's, uh, I, I would if I were you, I don't know if you necessarily need a lawyer, but don't give up. Everything uh, that you don't have to for 50-50 custody, because in the end, you're going to have the kids anyway. Oh, okay. All right, there you go. Joseph. Hi, Joseph. Yo. Yes. Uh, Fifteen years ago, I got a, a plastic heart valve put in, and the following month, I, uh, I prepaid Neptune. And then the following year, I saw the heart surgeon, and he said, my valve's got a serial number in it. And when I die, they're going to cut that puppy out and send it back to the manufacturer. Is there any way I can stop that? I don't even know how that's possible. I don't either. Yeah, I don't think that's because if that's the case, whoever cuts it out is stealing. That's theft, Joseph, because as soon as you die, you become property. You're no longer a living being, and it's your property or the estate's property. I mean, that's if it has value. And by the way, I've never heard of that happening. I mean, that's crazy. And well, I think according to him, no, no, I don't think so. It just it just burns up. I think they just crisp you up with a heart valve in it. And I don't know what a, a used heart valve is worth because well, I had yeah. I, I had a heart valve, and they never said, "Gee, it's cheaper if you buy a used one, a, a gently used heart valve." They uh, no, no. I don't think so. According to him, it's, it's for quality control. Oh, bull. No, it's all. Okay. It's a, it's a fun you. question, but <laughs> oh, they cut out the heart valve and they send it back to the manufacturer who refurbishes. It's like getting a computer, right? A refurbished computer. It's almost as good. Uh, Julie, Julie, Julie. Hi, Julie. Hi. Yes. Yes, Bill. I have a daughter who's going to be 21 this month and she is currently on my auto insurance now i've been told by other people that 
once they turn 21, I should possibly think about taking her off of my auto insurance policy yeah. because of liability. Yes. I called my car insurance, and they said no, because if someone wanted to sue me, they could do it anyway, regardless. Well, I mean, that'd be tough. Does she live at home? No. Uh, no, they're not going to go after you. Uh, what are they going to do? Because what, what if your daughter's 35? Do they, do they go after? And she has her own insurance. I mean, at what point do they uh, do they not go after you? No, whoever told you that is full of it. She's twenty one okay. with her own insurance. It's her. It's her issue. No, no, no. She's on my insurance. Currently. I understand, but if you give her, you are now. If she's on your insurance, you're simply paying her liability. And I think, uh, oh, you're saying that can you be sued now as her insured? Well, yeah, yeah. they go after. Well, no, they, she can be sued. Not you. You can't be sued. You're not liable, but it's your insurance policy that's going to cover her. Okay. So it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Okay. All right. This is Handle on the Law. KFI AM 640, more stimulating talk. Bill Handel here, and welcome back to Handle on the Law, Marginal Legal Advice. Uh, more, is that Mortada? Yes. Mortada, that's interesting. All right, Mortada, uh, Mortada what can I do for you? Bill, uh, I'm a civil engineer. I just got my PE. Wait, are you, wait, wait, are you on a cell phone or are you on a speakerphone? I'm on a speakerphone. What are you doing to me? I am driving, so I don't want to get a ticket. Oh, okay. Well, that's what I asked if you were on a cell phone or you're on a speakerphone, and you are uh, got it. Okay, I feel better. All right, we'll try to make this happen. Go ahead. So I'm a civil engineer, and I'm trying to make, uh, to get, like, side jobs uh, to do, to design, basically. And I was told that in order to shield my uh, my assets, like house and cars and whatever, from any mistakes that could happen, so the client uh, should not sue me uh, and any any of that, I should have an S-corporation. But basically, it is too expensive for me right now to get an S-corporation. So my question to you is, can I put in the contract the client that in case of damage or mistakes or any anything happens, he cannot sue me for higher than the contract amount? Is this illegal? Yeah, no, you can do that. Uh, you, can, you can absolutely do that. And if they're willing to do it, you can say this is the limitation of what you can sue me for. And uh, if they accept it, I think that's I think that's legitimate. I think that is legitimate. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember buying uh, film, Kodak film, when they used to have film uh, about a million and a half years ago? You'd see on the box saying, by purchasing this film, uh, Kodak or Fuji or whoever's making the film, uh, liability is limited to the cost of this film. In other words, if the film doesn't work and you your fifty thousand dollar wedding where everybody flew in and there are no pictures, you can't sue for the fifty grand. So if uh, your clients are willing to accept that liability, uh, yeah, I think so. Now there are some exceptions, gross negligence, uh, et cetera, but I think uh, that would work. Uh, I would never sign that contract, but what the hell? Hey Ken, you're up. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Bill, it's a pleasure to speak with you. How yes, are you today? yes, it is. Okay. 
Um, wanted to roll forward. Uh, what I have is my daughter was uh, went to a university and played a sport, and they travel in uh, in these smaller vans, unfortunately, and was involved in an accident where she received a concussion. Um, she was out for quite a while, cleared by the doctors, came back, still had effects and everything. This was back last March. And, um, you know, we received some communications from the insurance company, as in a letter wanting her to call them. We've kind of held off on it because she's kind of had some vertigo effects after the fact that it lasted for quite a while. And I just kind of wanted to figure out what the next step is. All right. A couple of things. Uh, First of all, there is, is it a private university or public university? Uh, private. Okay, so you're good there. Uh, so, and the reason is, if it's a public entity, you only have six months to file a claim that you're going to sue, and if you go past the six months, you're history. So you're okay. okay. Private private uh, universities are like any company, so you're you're okay there. Now, the question is, uh, let's talk about how serious your daughter's concussion is. You're saying she has uh, still some vestiges of uh, the concussion, the after effects of the concussion, uh, uh, concussion vertigo. Yes, yeah, she visited our, you know, our our family practitioner, and uh, basically the effects that she's still having is now when she's riding in a vehicle, uh, she can't read or okay. Or You've got to all right. For, yeah, before uh, you do anything legal, uh, it's time to go to a neurologist. Uh, okay. you, you want you you have to find out whether the prognosis is that this is going to last a while or last forever. Probably not. But once you see the seriousness of this, if if this is forever, Ken, you've got a big case here. You're talking to a malpractice. Uh, you're talking to a personal injury lawyer. This is this is okay. no joke. Uh, this uh, is you're way 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 over your head. If it turns out that it is uh, sort of a minor situation and uh, we're talking about this thing happened, what, eight months ago, give or take, and it's still yeah, we going on. The, yeah, we were kind of vertical thing, at, you know. Yeah, no, no, I understand. But it's uh, at, yeah. at the at the eight-month point, it's, it's definitely time to go beyond your practitioner and uh, find out uh, what is going on, the vertigo, whatever, because the, the family practitioner is, is not – uh, going to be able to figure this out. <clears throat> this will take uh, a, a specialist to uh, to deal with, and uh, okay. it's it all based on the seriousness. So at, at this point, uh, I wouldn't talk to them at all. Or you can call them and say, "Hey, we're still trying to figure out the medical part of this." That you okay. can say too. And if they offer you money at this point, you say, "No, thank you." All right. If they're trying to offer yeah. you money, then then they're trying to get out of this thing for the least possible price. Right. The letter we received is just wanting to contact and speak to my daughter because, of course, she's an adult on her own. So I think they were just trying to, you know, uh, there's no there. there, She does not have to talk to them. Okay, And how long of time period do we have to get this resolved? Yeah, you got a couple, three years. You're okay. Uh, It's important. It's important for you. uh, It's important for her to know what the damages are. And then you go from there. And uh, then. you sit down and the doctor says this is serious. You immediately, immediately call an attorney. I mean, you don't have to, but that's where you want to go. You can go to the website. We have plenty of personal injury lawyers. And if it is fairly serious uh, and the word gets out, you will have uh, lawyers literally lining up the way when Apple releases a new product. You know how it goes around the block? Okay. Yeah, that's what you're going to do with lawyers if it's a serious case. All right. Excellent, okay, Ken. Sir. This is Handle on the Law. Yeah.
Talk. Bill Handel here. This is Handel on the Law. Marginal legal advice. Hi, Rosemary. Welcome to Handel on the Law. Thank you. Um, I live in California. I'm a single <clears throat> little old lady with mm-hmm. three children. Whoa. And, well, not living with me. They're all do- on their own doing well. Oh, that's nice. Um, but I wondered what is the dollar amount of net worth as to when I need to set up a trust? It's there's no minimum dollar amount at all, oh. Rosemary. Okay. You can set up for a dollar if you want. I mean, there's a practical measure because it costs you money to set it up. You have to either go to the internet and pick up one of those uh, packages, uh, one of those services, or hire a lawyer. So uh, it doesn't make sense, obviously, for two hundred dollars. The only thing that's really important is, uh, number one, if you set up a trust, you want to do it before you die, which looks like you better do it before this phone call is over. Uh, And number two, you want to transfer whatever assets you want to put into the trust into the trust. For example, if it's a house, you have to transfer from your ownership to the trust. Uh, The trust owns the, uh, the property, the assets, the bank accounts, whatever you want to put in there. And uh, you need to name a trustee uh, as to who's going to distribute the trust. Uh, how old is? How old are your children? Oh, they're uh, my son's fifty. He's the oldest. He's fifty, and he's not living at home, which is great news. I'm glad to no, hear that. No, none that's of a, them are. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> they're that's all a, doing well. Yeah, that's a huge issue when a fifty year old moves back with mom. Uh, but that's the answer. Uh, so, how much money you t- we talking about here, Rosemary? Well. I- not that much, probably two hundred thousand. Yeah, that's worth putting in a trust. Now, is part of that your house? Yes, it is. Okay, you want to transfer the house into the trust. Okay. And uh, you want to uh, transfer any bank accounts into the trust, or okay. you can simply write a will and just leave it all to uh, well, I the do kid. have a will. Then you're and fine. I have it evenly divided. Then that's fine. You don't need a trust. I don't need No, nah, no, you're fine. Good. Yeah. Okay. Because All right. I don't want to spend money. Yeah, too. then don't. You know what? You're not going to need a trust. Just okay. leave your will, and it's if, you're going to, if it's going to be the same the same beneficiaries as uh, the will, you got a will. Leave it alone. You're fine. Uh, yes, yeah, Cindy. Hi, Cindy. Welcome. Hi. I have a question about statute of limitations. Yes, ma'am. Uh, approximately five years ago, I had a major surgery. Um, the bill came to about a quarter of a million dollars, and my ins- there was a mix-up with my insurance. It looked like I didn't have insurance, so the hospital and the doctors all wrote it off, and I had a zero balance, and I just received a phone call from the anesthesiologist. And he wants money, right? He wants $2,000. Right. Five years ago, you say, no, thank you. Statute okay. is over. You're done. Okay. And uh, there's there's no way you can go. Now, I'm assuming you haven't paid any money towards that bill, correct? Correct. You're fine. Statute is okay. done. Yeah, he can't sue you. And whoever, okay. and did you receive a bill directly from the doctor's office or from a collection agency? Collection agency. Say it's over. Statute is over. Now, I'll tell you what the collection agency is going to say. They're going to say the statute has not run. They're going to say there's an exception to the statute. They're going to say, why don't you just pay a little bit of money, just a little bit? Yeah, that's what she tried to do. I said, send me the paperwork. Right, right. The second you pay any money, 
is the day that that bill becomes reaffirmed, you agree that the bill is due and owing, and now you're back to owing the entire amount. Do not pay. And they're going to bamboozle you into paying. Oh, no, they're not. (laughs) Okay, good. And just say, listen, if you really think you have a case here, why don't you go ahead and file a lawsuit? Okay. Even though you're in, uh, all, even though the statute has run out, we'll see what a court has to say. Okay. All right. You're fine. Good for you for doing what you are doing. That's a smart lady. Do not ever, if it's been over, unless you intend to pay it, unless you intend to pay it and cut a deal, uh, then it's a different story. And then you negotiate fifty cents on the dollar, thirty cents on the dollar, and you negotiate making sure they don't put a negative ding on your credit report. The last thing you need is to show that you are now a late pay or whatever because now already her credit is shot to hell, as you can imagine, because uh, if they wrote off $250,000, that's going to affect your credit a little bit. But that disappears after a period of time. Also, uh, owing money for medical bills is looked on very differently by creditors these days. Because there are so many people who have literally gone bankrupt or should consider bankruptcy because the medical bills are overwhelming. I mean, literally, she said, for example, she had a surgery, $250,000. Where do you you get $250,000 to pay a medical bill? How much money do you think that you have to have before you can write a check for $250,000? So you negotiate. And if it's owed two hundred and fifty, and let's say you have the ability, you say, okay, 50, 50 cents on the dollar, uh, 20 cents on the dollar, 10 cents on the dollar, and I'll figure out a way to, to come up with the money. And even then, $25,000 is a lot of money to come up with. So be really, really careful when dealing with the collection agency. Hey, David, you're up. Welcome yes. to Handle on the Law. Yes, sir. Yeah, Bill, uh, I'm getting the shaft from Chase uh, regarding my loan modification. Uh, I've had the uh, application rejected four times because of mistakes the notary made, which I used uh, notary in the Chase Bank because, you know, the banks don't charge you. If you're a member, have an account, they don't charge you for the notary service. So I used it. their bank, and they're in charge of the loan modification. And each time they rejected, the latest rejection was because the stamp was out of the right. margin. So let me ask them, David. Really David, at what point do you figure out, if this happened four times, at what point do you figure out that you want to go to another notary as opposed to the bank's notary and get it notarized? After the second time, maybe? After the third time, maybe? Now you're saying this is the fourth go-round. How many more are you going to have before you realize it's time to spend 100 bucks or $75? Well, Bill, does it feel, but Bill, does it really... Make a difference. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. The notary, absolutely. Notary seals are very specific, and they have to be totally legible, and they have to go all the way around. If there's a notary stamp where the ink doesn't cover part of it, and let's say uh, one section of the stamp is missing because there's no ink, that's not a good notary. That is not a good stamp. That does not fly. Okay, but yeah. okay. The first time the note, uh, it said it was out of the margin. The stamp, it was legible, but it's not in the margin. It does, you mean, don't, do you understand? It has to be perfect, David. How many times can I tell you? It has to be perfect in the area. It doesn't matter. What are you going to do? Uh, let's argue about it. Let's go. You know what I want you to do is keep on going to that notary and call me every week until you figure out it's time for a new notary. Okay. For God's sake.
This is Handle on the Law. I like that you're broken, broken like me. Maybe that makes This is KFI AM640. We're stimulating talk. Bill Handel, Saturday morning. And welcome back to Handle on the Law. Bernard. Hi, Bernard. Welcome to Handle on the Law. Yes. Go ahead. Yes, uh, yeah, uh, I have uh, in-laws who we've allowed to move into a second house that we own. And um, I've, I've instructed them not to park their car in the garage because before when some things came broken, nobody accepted responsibility. So I instructed them not to park the car in the garage. So since then, they have been basically uh, continuing to do that. So I want to know... Why don't, you lock, hey, hey, why don't you lock the garage? <laughs> yeah, that's a good thing, too. Really? Yeah, okay, I, yeah, you're a genius there. So uh, let me tell you, does the lease, the agreement, allow them to use the garage? Well, it's, it's, not, a, it's not an agreement. Uh, it's just a verbal. You have a verbal, so they're month to month. Then you, well, uh, you know, they have a point. I mean, they can say you rented the place and it has a garage, and you don't even have a lease, right? It's a, a verbal. You allowed people to move into a property, and uh, they simply pay you the amount of money you agree to with nothing in writing, correct? I, I, uh... Yeah, okay, we're losing uh, Bernard, uh, clearly a genius. Very, very bright guy. Oh, they're using my garage, uh, and they shouldn't. How about a lock? Oh, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, I never actually thought of that. Wow. Okay. Hello, Steve. Yes, Bill. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Yes, sir. Uh, uh, My uh, question is, uh, what can I do for... um, My wife was uh, involved in an accident. She was stopped at the red uh, light. It was a red arrow trying to make a left turn. And then on the opposite side, on the opposite traffic, there was a car coming down and another car trying to make a left turn. So he hit her. When he hit her, she flipped and she hit my wife's car. So we waited for the police report and all that. The police report came out with all the information. So when we contacted the, the uh, uh, actually the police, when the police report came out, uh, it was saying that the uh, tr- the car that was trying to make a left turn that was in, uh, in fault. Okay. Was your wife? Was your wife? Was your wife hurt? Uh, well, uh, she, her, her shoulder was hurting a little bit, so they end up taking her to the hospital, and I had uh, my four-year-old son with her, too. But uh, nothing, nothing like, you know, nothing big or something. It's just a muscle thing. And... All right, so she didn't treat. She didn't go to a, uh, a therapist or uh, a chiropractor or whatever to treat. Not at all. Because all right. At this point, at this point, I don't know what to do. So uh, when we try to contact their, uh, her insurance, they are saying that nobody claimed the accident yet. And uh, so the claim the report, accident. Let her know. Let her know. Send a letter to her saying I want my money. Or you can turn it over. Call your insurance agent and turn it over to your insurance carrier, and they'll 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 take care of it for you. All right. That's All what right. you do. You call your own insurance company because if there was a lawyer, if there was an injury involved, I got to tell you, when a car flips, uh, you don't need much of an injury to uh, make it, uh, you know, to, to make it a solid case. You know, for example, someone gets rear-ended and you have minimal damage to the back of the car, 
And uh, then you have the whiplash. So you claim, uh, oh, my God, I have a whiplash. And even if it's a legitimate whiplash and you go to the go to a lawyer and you go to a a therapist, you go to a a doctor that deals with soft tissue injury and uh, you get two, three, four thousand dollars worth of treatment. And now the insurance company on the other side uh, looks at a bill for three thousand dollars from a doctor and uh $200 worth of damage to the car. Uh, You know what? That's not going to fly. Now, you get a soft tissue injury after a car has flipped over. That one is more believable. And uh, that's, no, I'm not going to tell him, and I didn't tell him, gee, you should see someone, you should see a PI lawyer, personal injury lawyer. I'm just simply saying that the uh, insurance company will pay a lot more attention to the circumstances there. So uh, it's contacting the other side and then having, uh, they will turn over their insurance company, and that's where the claim is made. And then the other insurance company will contact him, and you send him the bill. Because I assume there's no medical damage here, even sending the bill for the uh, emergency room and the ambulance, but there's going to be a bill unless insurance covers it all. Uh, Sebastian. Hi, Sebastian. Sebastian, you there? Hello? Yes. Yes, go ahead. Hi, my name is Sebastian. Yes, it is. And I have a question. Yes. We have a, we have an LLC uh, with 11 members. Uh, we're selling uh, the assets of that LLC, which includes vehicles and accounts, to a new company. Some of the members, they're going to seek other opportunities elsewhere. Some of the members are going to move to the new company. However, the LLC owes $11,000 in taxes to the Franchise Tax Board of California. Uh, half of that is, is, is penalties. And that is to, to do to a fact of uh, a tax error made by uh, by a big tax company that uh, does our taxes. Okay, and I when mean, was that? To, and when uh, was that? When was the error made? How long ago? Well, that was the, the error started about six years ago. Six years ago. So you're okay. So your yes. history on that one, you can go back three years and refile. I assume you you sound exactly. like you're from Brazil. Uh, Portugal. Oh, Portugal. I can always uh, not quite tell the accent. You can do this in Portuguese, by the way. Do you know that? Oh, okay. Yeah, you can ask me a question in Portuguese. Sim. Como é que você está? Bem, bem. Você? Tudo bem? Tudo bem. Vamos ver. Yeah, você tem problemas com o governo, não? Okay, that's enough. Yeah, that's enough. That's enough. We can uh, go on from there. Uh, here's what you have to find out. It, it's uh, The issue is clearly just a tax issue. And uh, from what I understand, the directors may be liable for taxes that the corporation, the LLC... Uh, owes. And if you're talking about forming a new company uh, and uh, taking assets out and basically creating another company that does the same thing so you can uh, relieve yourself of the taxes, ain't going to happen, Sebastian. Yeah, so you want to talk to an accountant, my man, and find out what tax liability you have. You also want to talk about going back three years and refiling for those three years because of an error made in your tax return. So this is... Oh, we already did that. We all right. Already did. We've all right. refiled for the past six years. Okay. Then you are... Uh, then the issue is one of a tax issue. And so talk to an accountant. Don't talk to me. Because if I had your problem, you know who I would call? I would call my accountant. <laughs> Intenji. To the bang. To the bang. Ciao. Ciao, ciao. What? Fala. All right. He already hung up. No, oh, I love playing Portuguese speaker because my Portuguese so sucks and I'm so rusty in uh, my Portuguese. So every time I get a chance, 
I will jump on it, even though you have no idea what I'm talking about. But I don't care. See, it's a question of do I want to practice my Portuguese or have you understand? What do you think? All right. This is Handle on the Law.